Hey guys, brand new podcast. And uh, I, I know a lot of you are probably checking out my Instagram stories going, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, I'm shooting a TV show in the mountains uh, at a cabin. So those, that's what you're watching. So I apologize. I wasn't clear on what I'm doing, but I can't be 100% clear because, it, but, but you'll see it soon. Um, hey, Birdie Boy World Tour, we just added six shows. Uh, DC, pre-sale starting right now and it ends at 10 o'clock Thursday night. Um, DC, I think I'll remember these. DC, St. Louis, uh, Tampa, Fargo, Minnesota, and one more. St. Louis? I don't know. Did I say St. Louis? I don't remember. Anyway, we just added six more shows. So go to burtburtburt.com and get your tickets. The tour starts January 30th in Burlington, Vermont. And then the following week, Sacramento. San Jose and Bo- Bakersfield. I'm so excited to go to San Jose because they have the best fucking salsa I've ever had in my life. Oh, yeah? You getting more of that salsa? I'm grabbing so much of that goddamn salsa. Good, because we've, yeah, get some more. It's the best. It's this orange salsa that um, anyone from San Jose, hit me up and tell me about that orange salsa. It's not orange. It's an. It's like a it's pink. like really dark No, no, red. you're thinking of that salsa's oh. New Mexico. Oh. Orange is the ones I bought back in the tubes and then gave to everyone. I, the squirt bottles. Oh. Dude, I couldn't stop eating the salsa. I, that day I brought it home, I started making cheese quesadillas with that salsa on it. Is it salsa or a sauce? It's like a sauce. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember Do you know what that. I'm talking about? Yes, it was really good. It was the best damn sauce. It's like an orange uh, sauce and it's down towards downtown and Jesus walked there. Jesus knew about it. Jesus gonna, I think is going to be with me in San Jose. So. Yes, he is. Jesus. So yeah, tickets are available for San Jose, Sacramento, and Bakersfield at burtburtburt.com. That is my second week on tour and I'm fucking so excited. I haven't been since I haven't been to San Jose since I decided to do this tour and I shot the promo video in San Jose. That's been a while. Yeah. But I'm super excited to get back on the road. Get on a tour bus. Be with my friends. The weight loss challenge, I will weigh in tomorrow, and I will let everyone know what I weigh. Okay? Oh, really? So, yeah, I'm going to do it well, on my Instagram. what's the challenge? It's me, Joe, and Tom, and we're seeing if we can get down to our goal weights. What's your goal weight? My goal weight is 205, oh. and I think I can do it. Oh. I think it depends. I, I've been eating like absolute shit on this shoot. Mm-hmm. They have these breakfast burritos. Yeah. Breakfast burritos are kind of an Achilles heel. Dude, breakfast burritos. They're next level. They're so good. You know, it's like, it's like, and these two Mexican guys are making breakfast every morning. Uh-huh. And they make these breakfast burritos that are fucking through the roof. And then some of the crew was like, hey, can you bring in hot salsa? And the guy's like, no, no, I'll make some for you. And I loaded my fucking breakfast burrito up and was shitting all day. It was like oh, nice. way hotter than I thought hey, it would Hey, will be. you get their business card for future reference? Yeah, the of course. Breakfast burrito guys. Yeah, they make great breakfast. They do a veggie one and then a meat one, and the meat one I always get the meat one, and then I put extra bacon in it. I mean, I would eat veggie burrito. Uh, I mean, um, breakfast burritos morning, noon, and night. Uh, you know what I mean? One of the best breakfast burritos I've ever had. We're getting to the podcast, by the way. This podcast is one that we had buried and forgot about, and I'm just releasing now. And I have to apologize to Samarell because I. We released another one with him, and we had recorded one probably fucking five months ago with him. Is that how old this one is? 
I think we t- probably talk about the Shane Gillis shit. That's how old it is. Yeah. Holy shit. So this is. It's like a treasure. It's like a treasure. Yeah. I just forgot to release it. By the way, the Bill Burt podcast uh, is, is a special thing Bill and I are doing once a month. Once a month, we're going to get together and do a podcast and smoke a cigar. It's different than Two Bears, One Cave. It's 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 more me and Bill smoking a cigar. Uh, we'll release those twice a month with clips. Every So there will be a clip coming out every week. Um, first half of the podcast comes out second week of the month. Uh, second half of the podcast comes out uh, last week of the month. And then we'll do like 10-minute clips in between. My whole goal is just to bring out as much content for you as possible. I do I do not mind busting my ass working, although I've been complaining all day that I haven't had a free day. And I you haven't have a had day. a free day in a very long time. But we're looking at doing um we're looking at doing a something's burning. There's a porn star that reached out and said she was binge watching it, uh-huh. thinking about doing a something's burning with a couple porn stars. Although I I don't I, I hope she has like a girlfriend that we can do it with. You know, yeah. I don't want to do a dude and a girl. Why? And then be like a third wheel. Why? You wouldn't be a third wheel with two girls? No, I'd be the wheel. I'd be the, oh, I'd be the stick. Uh-huh. And so, and I'm going to write a script with these porn stars where they have to make out with me. It's like just a script. It's oh, art. Jesus. Um, but no, we're looking to do that. We're going to bring it. I, we have a, we're backed. I've just, I've backed myself into a corner with work and I've bit off more than I can chew. And I, as opposed to letting... All, letting products suffer i've decided to focus on this this tv show uh-huh. and focus on this tour yeah and so so that is why you're hearing a five-month-old sam morell one that i i was like do we have any halson's like we got one from five months ago with sam and i was like are you serious we never released that and he's like well i thought since we did another one with him not to i was like no fucking release it just did one today with moshe kasher uh not to blow the bank but i think next week we got one with jason biggs am i right i think it's in two weeks in two weeks we got yeah. one with jason biggs um, hardcore focusing back on the Burt cast, getting ready for the tour, and something's burning. Two bears, one cave. Bill Burt weight loss challenge ends on February twenty fourth. I'm sure we'll do a, a podcast with Rogan. <laughs> I just look. I know what I enjoy, and it's last night. I woke up with a panic attack in the middle of the night, and I put on Neil Brennan and Joe Rogan, and I listened to him all night and it put me back to sleep and it relaxed me calmed me down got my brain off the fact that one day inevitably my family will be standing over me and i'll be dying and i'll be freaking out and leanne will see it and she'll go honey it's okay and i go no 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 i don't want to die that's all i thought about last night is it really yeah you're a long way from that baby doll no not not that's why i'm not drinking tonight okay um, but I think it's about maybe stringing a couple nights together. Yeah, maybe well, it's a couple years. It's what happens is we get done the shoot and then party. I put no. I put, it's it's been a long day. It starts at fucking six in the morning and ends at seven at night. And so I I have a glass of wine, mm-hmm. and then that glass of wine turns into two on the ride home, and then one when I get home, and and it's and but and that's why I feel like I'm afraid I'm gaining weight as I've been having wine every night. Have I've you been, weighed yourself at all? This morning. You did. Yeah. So you know. Whether yeah. or not you've been getting weight. Have you? No, I have not. You've but, not been getting but weight? But I've not lost any weight and I'm working out every fucking morning before work. And and then eating two breakfast burritos. Two breakfast burritos. Maybe you could cut it to one. It's hard. 
Nah, it's not hard. I don't think you understand the way my brain works. A man who can accomplish the things that you can accomplish can eat whatever he says he can or wants to eat, if he really wants to. Today's podcast <laughs> is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a longtime partner and the driving force behind this year's Sober October with my buddies, Tom Skura, Joe Rogan, and Ari Shafir to kick off 2020. We're all taking on a new weight loss challenge, going in different diets and exercising a ton to see what kind of results we can get by the end of February. If you just woke up and weren't following along, when I wore Whoop 24-7 to understand the impact of no booze, no bud, the no-nothing lifestyle, the tracker changed my relationship with my body. It measures things like resting heart rate, heart rate variability, and sleep. This mountain of data is analyzed by their algorithms that then pluck out the most important factors to help you change your daily behaviors. You feel better when you sleep more. That's a no-brainer. But when you don't get enough sleep, your brain doesn't work the right way. It tricks you into thinking you don't have enough energy for the day and tells you you're hungry. Less sleep leads to more eating. I'm not saying I'm going to stay in bed till March, but sleep is just as important to me right now as hitting the gym. Whoop is the best tool out there to help you get better sleep, and it even has a sleep coach which will re recommend the sleep you need to feel your best the next day. If you want to be better or keep up with me and lose weight to kick off 2020, get over to whoop.com right now. Use the promo code BERT at checkout for 15% off your membership today. Today's podcast is brought to you by Kamikoto. Kamikoto makes great kitchen knives using traditional techniques. They've just launched their longest blade in the collection, an epic 13-inch Yanagiba knife. This thing right here. It's like Take, a samurai sword. It is so badass. There's nothing cooler than have, looking forward to cutting an onion. Looking forward to cutting down. something. These knives are, oh my God. Look at this bad bitch. How much fun is it to pull this out when you have people over and you cut up a, a bunch of top sirloins, you grill them up, and then you slice them into, look at this. Everyone's going to be like, yo, what knife is that? That's half the, half the fun of having a knife is pulling it out. <laughs> <laughs> and this knife is absolutely gorgeous. And it comes in this beautiful wood box. I got two knives right here. Uh, but four knives right there. That's four fine. knives right here. My bad. Four knives. These Kamikoto knives are used by Michelin chefs working at Michelin star restaurants. They make great gifts. I'm telling you when I say it's always hard to know what to buy a man come around Christmas or birthday or the holidays. I, I, I no guy is ever going to open this and then not go. Oh, right. Leanne opened these knives when we were on FaceTime. She goes, you got these knives and open it up. And I was like, Oh, I couldn't wait to get home. Yeah. I love these. And they're heavy too. These are fantastic knives and they make a great gift. They come with these whetstones so you can maintain the edge of your knife. And the Kamikoto is so confident about their knives that each knife comes with a lifetime guarantee. If you go ahead and buy right now, Kamikoto is offering our listeners an extra 25% off site-wide on top of their other discounts. Go to Kamikoto.com and use the promo code BERTCAST. That's K-A-M-I-K-O. T-O.com slash BirdCast. Once again, K-A-M-I 
K-O-T-O dot com slash BertCast. Thank you, Kamikoto. So today's podcast is with Sam Morell. Sam has has two podcasts, Keeping Joe and Pods Don't Lie. You can find them where you hear podcasts. And Sam, I know you're going to see this and go, wait, oh shit, he never released that? So I'm going to make it up to you. Guys, here's where you find Sam right now. January 16th through 18th, he's at Zany's in Chicago, Illinois. The 24th through 26th, Bridgeport Stress Factory. Shout out to Vinny Brand. February 6th through 8th, he's at Good Night, Good Nights in Raleigh, North Carolina. The 13th through, God damn it, he's touring. 13th through 15th, the Spokane Comedy Club in Spokane, Washington. The 16th, Bitmore Cabaret in Vancouver, British Columbia. March 5th through 7th, Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle in Royal Oak, Michigan. I always want to do that club. Yeah? Yeah. Never too late. No. Well, maybe. Maybe not be. Maybe I'll come in and drop in and do yeah, some time. never too late. March 19th through 21st, Gotham Comedy Club in New York. And 18th through the 16th through 18th of April, he's on Comedy on State at Madison, Wisconsin. You can find him. His Twitter is Sam Moore, M-O-R-R-I-L. And uh, same with his Instagram. He has great jokes. He's just one of the best joke writers in the business, without oh. a doubt. Without a doubt, one of the best joke writers in the business. One of my good friends. I got a handful of guys out of New York that I've known for a while. I've known Sam for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he's just a solid fucking dude. Um, So without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's BirdCast. Pretty Boy World Tour. Secret time. I'm going back to Tallahassee and Russia. Secret time. Don't tell anyone. I haven't announced it yet. I'm fucking excited. Getting ready to announce fall dates. But the Birdie Boy World Tour starts January 30th in Burlington, Vermont. Ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast, my friend, stand-up comedian, Sam Morell. This is <laughs> Are you doing spots out here? I'm doing doing an hour tonight at a Dynasty Typewriter. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, can you do the crossover to the alt rooms and we'll see? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think so. What's the alt scene like? In is there like a? I don't. I don't even know if there's an alt scene still in L.A. I don't. I'm not here enough. I I like the store a lot, but the store was booked. So then I tried the store to is swamped. So then, so then I asked my agent what's a where can i work and i said how about how about flappers and she said flappers isn't cool enough you got to do dynasty typewriter and i was like all right oh flappers uh, is so great to run an hour i thought i i loved it flappers is awesome dude i love I it lo- i love it i, I love s- clubs dude i'm doing a i'm doing a deal i'm doing a a deal I, mean, I can't talk about it yet i will announce it on the podcast when it happens because i'm gonna do to flappers yeah do men do flappers like six years ago he always like thought about me and then my special came out, saw it, hit me up. And he was like, hey, man, let's do something. Yeah, I, I love like, it. I was like, I sat in there and I go, your name's so familiar. And he goes, I met you at Flappers six years ago. Gave you my card. And I was like, the fuck? You're right. You did. No one who ever gives you a card do you ever remember. You know, I got to be honest with you. If I could go back in history, in my business, all the people that said, I want to work with you, did want to work with me. They weren't just talking shit. It's just they couldn't because I couldn't green light anything. Right, and then once you get to a place where you can start green lighting stuff, all those people show back up and they're like, "Man, 
I've been dying to work with you for fucking six years. And you're like, oh, I want That's good to know. I, I, I get a lot of I want to work with yous now. And, uh, dude, you're, you, there's that, the New York scene is blossoming in a way that I go, it's just a, it's just a matter of time until people start talking about New York the way they did in, in the 2004s and the way they talk about the store right now. I love it, man. Like Norman and Joe List and you, Phil Norman and List, Mackey uh, and dude, Ari's out there. I, I watched Ari go to a ba- a baseball game the other. Day. We I was the- there, yeah. Oh, that's right. I saw you and I said, "Are there two Mark Normans?" Because <laughs> Mark Norman, had, you had your shirt off and Mark Norman had his shirt on. No, I was on. Oh, you were on. He was yeah, on. Yeah, no, of course. I, I had a Posada shirt on, man. Yankees, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. We we got like day drunk. It was me, Norman, Phil, Mackie, uh, Pete Lee. It was just like all in New York. Or is it telecast to Seller Whites? And Seller uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whites. But yeah, it's the best, man. I yeah, Ari Ari is like he's like almost biblical. Like he shows up with a shirt off. Like you're like this guy's like not of this world, you know? He's Ari's a Ari is the I I think the the big reason there's such a connect between our two communities he is he, and not only that but he he just gets i don't do things during the day i just sit in my hotel room drinking coffee and like he's a dude that will be like the other day he's like let's see the tarantino movie and get drunk and i was like all right and he's yeah. like the one of the only dudes that will get me to out of my house he does that to me he called me up and he goes uh hmm, you want to go on a hike and i was <laughs> like yeah he's like if i tell you about a secret hike you promise not to tell anyone and i was like yeah and then he pulls picks up and he's just shaking his head i go what and he goes i can't trust you I can't trust you. I know you're going to tell somebody. And I was like, Ari, I won't tell anybody. In my head, I'm like, I'm definitely not going to not do the hike again. And I'm not doing it alone. So I will tell somebody. And then we do some bullshit hike. And I go, halfway through, I go, you were right for not telling me. He was like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you'd tell somebody. You're a big mouth. he, He told me a secret one time. And he said, please don't tell anyone. And I told two people within 15 minutes of him telling me but then once someone tells you not to tell you only want to tell like like mark norman's my friend like that where like you know you can't tell him anything because he's like he's like the new york post you tell him it's everywhere but no one enjoys the gossip like him Ari said to me you're my two biggest lying friends you and mark i everything everything i hear from you guys i gotta cut in half it's it's half of it's shit but Mark's a good liar because it's never anything that would like actually hurt. It's, yeah, it's like it's like it's like if Mark and I tell a story about when we toured in Europe, it's gonna be a little bigger. Fucking wrap your head around that. What the fuck? I'm a comic. You don't <laughs> think I'm gonna tell you like mm, details? I, I want to know exact details. What was the address you're saying? But Mark at? will lie about shit that makes no sense. Where like he he's like I'm going to Puerto Rico, and I was like, oh cool. I was like you're going with your girlfriend. He's like yeah, and then he just lied to the manager Liz at the seller. He's like I got a corporate in Puerto Rico. I'm like he does. We have the same agent. She's not getting him corporates in Puerto Rico. You know, oh, because and if she is, I'm gonna be pissed. I'm like, why yeah. are you getting me corporates in Puerto Rico? I got a corporate in Puerto Rico. What? No, it, it was, and it was like during the revolution, <laughs> <laughs> during the hurricane, Do, during the I got yeah, a corporate getting... in Haiti. <laughs> Man, Mark, Mark really is. So, what was? How did that group start? How did your group, your clique, start? And like, who do you think, like, who do you think your clique is? Like, if you had to say, like, the guys you hang out with, and don't worry about forgetting people oh, just get, give me yeah. a few people that you go mark norman joe mackey phil hanley joe list uh rachel feinstein i'm really close phil with. hanley's funny as shit phil's phil's, I, phil's a real cunt he's like a real <laughs> like he's almost like a british comic where like yeah. he's just insulting and rude and i came to the cellar i don't know when but one night and uh and i'd been watching him online all you guys are murdering it with uh, instagram right now 
Yeah, you gotta, gotta just, it makes you write jokes. Yeah, oh, dude, I, I'm, I'm, I think I've told you this. I went through a, a fucking spiral of yours where I, I meant, I I meant a lot when you posted that, man. That was I watched really nice an of hour of your material, and it's just, it's great because it's just, uh, can I give you some critiques? I don't like you in a suit. I personally don't like you I don't in a like suit. it either. You know, uh, you learn. You just, you, you put it I on. I saw you in a suit the other day, and I was like, that, no, I never again. Please, never again. I know. I but, because up. it's, it's old school comedy, and I, I understand that all you guys, have a real homage, a real affinity for joke writing. I mean, the, yeah. the fucking New York, New York scene is like, it is, it is, it is going to leapfrog everything because you guys are just so fucking tight. You know, the the suit thing is like we all. It's weird. Like you do something like Fallon. You know how they do where they're like yeah. where they're like it's a party. You got to wear the suit. It's like and then you get there and you're like, what's well, a party? I can't say. I can't say damn. Like, what kind of party can you, do you go to where you can't say anything? Yeah, it's it it. it I saw the I, you just posted the other day a, a video of you in a suit, and I, I saw the suit. It's a great joke. The joke outshines the suit, but I was just like, that's not Sam. <laughs> Sam's in a net nah. shirt that's dangling off his shoulders, <laughs> fucking <laughs> just like it. But yeah, you, so you're seeing Phil Hanley, Joe Mackey, Mark Norman, Mark Joe Norman. List. That was like our class of like of comics. It was really, like we kind of Joe List started a little before us, and Joe was like he was a, an alcoholic back then, so he was already like kind of bitter. Just had him on the podcast. Yeah, he, Joe, I talked to yesterday. He's one of my best friends. I mean, but he uh, he was already like kind of he was like our elder statesman who was already kind of bitter, you know. And uh, Norman, I remember Norman the first time I saw him because he was at an open mic at the Creek. And he was doing some shitty Nintendo joke, but it was already, it was still kind of funny. Yeah, you know, like no one's funny out of the gate, but like you know, Norman and Joe Mackey were kind of funny out of the gate because yeah. they were just they were odd already. Like they I both had seeing, weird voices. I remember seeing Joe Mackey on Last Comic Standing, and then seeing him, hearing him on O and A, and being like, "Wait, that's not a character. No. That's really who he is." Yeah, and and even the same with List and Norman is like hearing them the first time and then meeting them. I remember meeting Norman at Skanksfest, and his shirt was off. He was drinking a tall boy. Yeah. And he was like, hey, Bert Kreischer, party animal. How are we doing? Jews, comedy, gay. And I was like, oh, my God, you're the same fucking person. Oh, dude. Yeah, we're all – Norman, Mackie, and I are the last three. Like, we're the last three drinkers in the New York comedy scene. Does everyone get – everyone's sober can i can i i'm gonna have to like chill out at some point because it just hurts my head every day oh yeah yeah well, i don't know not. how you do it you're you're like a you're like you're like the babe ruth of i just comedy. Got, i just went to hot spin class for fucking just an now hour. yeah i just got done i was in the pool that's fucking crazy. yeah I, but i but i have a thing i'm trying to figure it out i can't i'm very punitive so if i party and i i i really i i really kind of would like to like a real open-minded therapist help me figure this out very punitive and being hungover makes me feel better than being waking up sober. So when I wake up hungover, I get like, it's almost like my brain clicks into overdrive. He's like, dude, we got this. We're just a little hungover. Go to spin. You're going to feel better. And so I'm like, great. And I pulled out a spin. The sun's shining. I get in the car. I roll the windows down. I'm still sweating. I'm like, fuck yeah, I got a day out of me. You're you're kind of you're a positive drinker, which is rare. Like I, I most, think it is. A lot of hungover people are so pess. I'm kind of a pessimist hungover, but like I need to be around people like you because you're so you're so optimistic. Oh, I'm a very optimistic optimistic drinker. But yeah, I understand. I do understand. Like I don't. I hate even saying this, but like I look at like Bam Margera. Have you been following what's going on with them? No. It's like it's just it's not even entertaining. It's like. I feel bad for him. I'm like, dude, just 
you i mean everyone knows you got to stop like his drinking, got a drinking is, problem it's so bad it's like this is like his fifth time in rehab and every time he does this huge instagram plea for help and then Damn. they get him help and then he goes into rehab and checks out within two days and then gets arrested and then goes off on a binge and then does a <laughs> and i'm like I, if that was me I, yeah. I would have stopped the first fucking time. Well, that's the thing is you're a good drunk. I feel like I'm a pretty good drunk. So that's like part of the problem is like, no one's like, I've never like, I'm never going on like some racist tirade or anything. I'm just like a good, yeah. like easygoing drunk. But uh, I'll say shit I regret. I'll say, yeah. I, I will say shit. I, that's why I don't drink on stage is I will, I'll get a little loose and I'll say shit that I, that maybe I'm like, I don't know. You ever really. convince yourself that you're, because you're a storyteller. So do you ever convince yourself that you're a better, like I've definitely done that one. I'm like, I'm, I'm actually better when I drink. And then I oh, listen I'm to not, the set I'm and not. I'm like, what was that I said? Is I that am a- not better when I drink at all. I <laughs> yeah. know that. I'm well aware. I, I came off one time. I've been drinking. I had been drinking on stage bef- for the late show, but not for the early show. So the early show, I murdered. And the late show was just a little all over the map. Yeah. I was like, dude, that was, and Bill, go- Bill Burr goes, yeah, you were drinking. It's the same reason they don't let you drive a car when you're drinking. You're not. All your faculties aren't there. I was like, oh yeah, he it's was so like, yeah, obvious, but we idiot. don't yeah. we don't think about it. It's so funny. But like Rogan likes to get a little buzz before he goes on stage. Alcohol or, or uh, both. He'll, yeah. he'll, Rogan will hit a vape pen or a blunt really? and then and take a couple shots oh. and go on stage. And I'll do that. I'll do that with Rogan. Like if if I'm with him or like. Tom doesn't really do it so much per se, but Tom will do it. Like if Rogan's back in the backstage of the store and he's like, "Who wants a shot before we go on stage?" I'm I'm in. I don't give a yeah. fuck. No, it's, I like that. Like, I like a camaraderie a shot. One shot's great for going on stage. You know, um, yeah, I've done a. I did it. I think one of my best late night sets. I had a couple shots before I went out there. I don't. I don't normally do that, but I was really, like, fuck it. Yeah, I would do that. I would be. You know, what I did so funny before I did. Uh, goddamn Comedy Jam on Comedy Central. I had to go out and give like this very thoughtful three minute bit it happened it had to be like heartfelt but funny and i was really nervous about it because i was like it's got to be three minutes i knew the beats but i just wasn't i was overthinking it and so i grabbed a double tito's and soda and right before i walked off stage i slammed it and i and the second i started my thing i felt it warm me up and i was like oh yeah you know who used to <laughs> they used to say did that was mitch hedberg he'd like murder. it's always good when it's always good when you're like citing a guy who died of heroin you're like you know who used to have one drink and then a shitload of heroin <laughs> i bet heroin would be so awesome to write on i mean dude have that guy done, was a machine. have you ever done cocaine never dude isn't that crazy cocaine on stage <laughs> we're getting we're getting oh, to dangerous territory i'm telling you right now if you could if you could manage it like legit manage it like and no one can do that but if you could be like if you could be like i'm gonna have just a little bit of coke like a little bump a key bump the most addictive substance this is my third coffee it's not even 10 a.m you know it's like i can't i can't that's why i don't do it dude thank you if you could have just a little so like when i worked at the boston comedy club when i worked the door one night you saw an awesome generation of com- you were part of this awesome generation no i wasn't comics. part i was right behind them you yeah you were a young comic back yeah. then but you you were kind of a part because you knew geraldo and oh i knew those, i knew and, geraldo and atel um jim patrice. gaffigan i just had Jaff- gaffigan over here yesterday um patrice norton bobby kelly pete corielli uh jay moore dave Chappelle, tony Damn. woods godfrey that whole group was a was all a class or a class of two ahead of me now i, I would argue that even guys like Chappelle and and Jay Moore and all those guys were roughly in the same class because they were young. 
but they were in Attell and Sarah Silverman's class, technically. Right. But um, dude, I I mean I I learned, Dave is my favorite comic to this day. I mean he's the, I think the funniest person. He is the funniest human being. <laughs> uh, he was also like the coolest. Like when I was like the young when I was young, he was the because Esty at the cellar would just book me on the late shows every night, and I'd be like, God damn, another one a.m. spot. But well, that he, that would mean I get to hang out with Attell every night. You're right in his wheelhouse. What he enjoys watching. He's the most supportive, and he's and uh, dude, I can't tell you how many times like he he would like challenge me on the road where he'd be like all right you're gonna come out at the end and we're gonna riff and i'd be like fuck you know i gotta riff yeah. it's like fucking it's just like shooting around with jordan i'm like what the hell Did so he, yeah so i'd kind of bomb a little bit and he'd be he'd save it every night and and then he'd he'd be the one in a bad mood on the drive back where he'd be like god i'm such a fucking hack and i'd be like dude we all think you're the best and he'd be like well i'm better than you guys but you know <laughs> wait did you but, used to open for a tell yeah how fucking great is that it was the best i I loved it, man. It was like he would get he's such an irritable driver, you know, like we're both New York. Did he guys. drive? Yeah, he's that's how bad I am at driving that he's a better driver than me. <laughs> so he's he's such a like the whole time Mattel driving is like he looks like a kid. He looks like where well, he's just both hands in the wheel like this, chain smoking, <laughs> and he just keeps swerving out of the way of shit and going, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> smoking cigarettes in the car windows up. Oh yeah. I was dying. I was like, like this like is like in 1982 and I you're was, riding with someone's mom. <laughs> it was brutal. But uh no, you learned so and this much. This is post drinking. Yeah. But he was you just he was he works so hard, you know, at new shit. So it was so inspiring. That's how intense of a talent he is is that his brand was drinking and late night and he quit drinking and it no one noticed really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's just he's such a pure comic, man. He just and he's never i mean i wish he loved himself a little more because he is we all think he's like the best but uh i think if he loved himself he'd be like the guys we don't like well i just just a little more you know I, yeah, it, but even still the comics that love themselves i shouldn't have said that that sounded like self-helpy but i mean yeah, like no, yeah, yeah yeah i mean like just liked himself a little you know because yeah. he he deserves to be you know i don't want to say satisfied but he deserves to feel good about he deserves to be i was talking to him on the phone uh right i don't know i was talking about Bert, do you have a do you have a bit about uh midgets on a tricycle and you're like no i don't <laughs> no one has that but he's paranoid that everyone has the same oh yeah bit where <laughs> and was, it's never it's always the most obscure original angle he wanted to talk about something that wasn't jokes right which is like i'm bad at talking about jokes i'm just everything i write is a tad bit lower brow than what i think people expect me to write that's where my heart i don't know is. man you're a fucking you are a great storyteller like i'm a good storyteller i think but my, my like when it comes to like a joke like my jokes and i have a f couple yeah early on you were more of like a joke guy and then you kind of yeah. and then you kind of became longer form but i remember when i first worked with you i i didn't know what to expect i didn't really know your comedy that much and i was like wow he's i remember being like wow he's really a great storyteller it's like a great show it's, it's a hard style to to do well especially in funny bones and shit where they're not paying attention like that's a hard style to get good at on the road could like, do you feel that way when you're you're when you were when you were a newer headliner were you like fuck they're just like tuning out because oh. i'm in the middle of this story was that did that drive you nuts no i gotta be honest with you my style developed because of podcasting well because nine years ago i mean i'm guessing nine years ago i think first time i did rogan was like nine years ago maybe eight years ago um at the time i was a, I, I would say a little hack a lot hackier than i am now like i was just kind of like i had good 
stories, but none of them were longer than like five minutes. And so like, I, so I could always jump in and jump out. And if it was bombing at some point, I could bail on it. It wasn't until I started telling the machine story that I found my, I found my, my, I found comfortability, comfortability in silence. And I was, I was a lot more, and then became a lot more comfortable on stage because I bombed with that story so many times. Like I bombed with it for, I, I'm going to say four years. That's not accurate. Probably I bombed legit for a year with that's it. one. I put that up as one of the best standup stories I've ever heard. Because I remember I worked with you right after that kind of blew up on Rogan, I think. Yeah. And by the way, do you remember we were both selling t-shirts? I was selling t-shirts on the road. I didn't even know you yet. And I just opened up my bag and you put gay porn in there. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna light this guy. It's gonna be a fun weekend. But dude, we went to Hooters and watched the Knicks. That's I do what, remember that. We went to Hooters and watched the Knicks, and I was like, this is it was like legit one of the best. Was weekends. that in Connecticut? Yeah. Yeah, that was it was such a fun weekend. And uh I was like, oh my God, what a like when you don't know who you were, like I was featuring like every weekend back then and when you don't know who you're going to work with and you get someone who's just fun and cool, it was like, it's the it, greatest. that shit keeps you going though. Oh, it's it's the greatest thing. I was just arguing with someone the other day that um, one of the reasons I never like took my team on the road with me is that I liked meeting whoever they had booked with me. Don't you hate, by the way, when your agents are like, we're bringing the whole team and you're like, team, what are we, the, what are we, the 89 Lakers, you know? Dude, I... I there's like two of them I've never even met. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, who is that? They're like, that's the team. I'm like, that's not a team. You'd meet the team. That sounded Weird. like Seinfeld right there. And what's the deal? Oh. I remember, I remember Joe Coy brought Chris Lee. I've talked to Chris Lee and Joe Coy about this one moment so many times. Joe Coy, Joe Coy brought Chris D'Elia to open for him in Richmond. Damn. I was in Richmond the next week. I, I by the way, I worked with a, a a woman I met for the very first time, Nikki Glazer. Sure, she's a, she's the reason we worked together because she dropped yep. out and I worked with Nikki Glazer. I never met Nikki. I had heard of her. Amy Schumer had talked about her. I knew she liked Wilco, so I was like, oh, cool! I can't wait to meet her. That, but I remember being like, I remember getting there going. Hey, how come Joe gets to bring his feature? And they're like, Joe sells out. And I was like, I sell out. And they're like, no, Joe's paid tickets. And I was like, oh, okay. But like, I, and so I kind of was like cool with meeting people on the road and then getting to know them and then becoming friends with them. And then I, I, not to be a total asshole, but if you're good enough, you move to New York. Like if you're a road guy and you're good enough, you move to New York or LA. That's just the truth. If you don't move, it's because you're not good enough and you never believed in yourself. But then some people move too soon also. Some people move way too late. That's true. I, I don't believe you can move too soon, personally. That's probably, yeah, because maybe. Like, but, but, but with reasonable expectations. Some people move soon, and then they're like, why aren't I getting this? I'm like, well, you're you're newer still. You don't If you don't have a really, ki <laughs> I mean, killer 30, not a killer road 30, a killer like New York, LA 30. Dude. You got to have at least you that. Can't, you, if you're a young comic listening, you can't have any like jokes about your baseball team, your football team, the roads you grew up on, <laughs> the parts of town. You got to have jokes about and and the same goes for New York comics. You got to pull out all your jokes about taxis when you go yeah. on the road. You got to pull out all your jokes about taxis. Unless it's a really subways. good taxi joke. I open I open a cordon set on a homeless subway joke, and I was like, hey, that if, it, if the joke works, it works. On TV is different. When TV's you go different. to Omaha and you go and you talk about subways to someone who's never been on a subway, and you say, so I hop on the local, and everyone's like, huh? <laughs> I, that was part of one of my jokes, my first jokes, and then I went on the road, and I was like. Oh, no one knows what the express is. Yeah. And that the C train express could shoot you up in Harlem pretty quick. <laughs> Guys, you don't know the M&M store in Times Square? Yeah. You don't know? It's always hits. <laughs> but no, but there's a, I, I worked with a guy, he, he works the Looney Bin and he runs the Looney Bin in, um, 
Oklahoma? God, some of these fucking rooms, man. You just like that's one I never play, but I, I've heard horror stories. I think I think it's some of the rooms. I'm not talking about the Looney Bin. Some of the rooms they would when I started headlining, they'd take pride in the fact that they were difficult. Yeah. They, oh man, you're gonna have a hard time here. They don't listen. They don't follow that fucking liberal bullshit. You talk about therapy. Good fucking luck. <laughs> I do a lot yeah. of therapy. <laughs> I mean, but like you'd go into a place and they'd be like, "Hey man, you." I remember going into Des Moines. This guy Paul used to run Des Moines. Yeah. He'd be like, good luck. They're rough tonight. <laughs> I bet the owner that's like, you're not gonna drink. Like that's how bad the room is. Like, oh, oh you should drink. Oh, Paul. Paul. Paul has since passed, but uh, Paul Lane was his name. He's a really great guy. I actually really, really liked him. I don't want to. In today's culture, I don't want to defame his character. Sure. So I won't tell you too many stories about sure, him. Sure. Sure. I will tell it's you. It's a bummer when someone's so fun and you're like, ah, he was he wasn't made for today's times. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what's so funny. I won't say names at all in this. But there was a comic that we know that's like a it's like a big big alty comic, a little bit uh, very liberal, very virtue signally nice guy. Um, he worked with me one time. And uh, there was another guy. The other guy's name was Bill Burr, right? But it was not a Bill Burr you know. He had to change his name to Bill Blank because he went to New York and was bombing with the name Bill Burr. And Bill Burr went up to him and said, yo, man, you got to change your fucking name. You can't be doing Damn. Yeah. And, and so he changed his name. He's a great, he's a really sweet guy too. They're both very sweet guys. Bill Blank. Bill Blank. Isn't that the worst way to be described as a comic? Nice guy. Ugh. <laughs> that means you stink no 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 it does they're, though they're both they're both very nice guys anyway. i would i describe you as a nice guy like fourth or fifth i wouldn't describe you i wouldn't open with nice that would crush <laughs> wouldn't that you'd be like nice okay i'll say that bill blank's a little bit of a fucking mess <laughs> okay that's fun that's at least that separates and the other me. night guy and i got into a knock like literally one of the worst fights i've ever had with another human being and i have never spoke to him since damn yeah. do i know this person yeah 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 yeah. uh i i he just it was one of those things where it was like were you drinking or was it just i was drinking but it doesn't matter yeah because you it look wasn't. back and you and you think you were in the i look right back still? and i go you could have been a friend to me at that time at that time damn. i really wish that at that time you had been a friend to me he he just and and by the way it got to a point where i was like i don't hate him but i've had enough bad instances with him where i go maybe having him in my life isn't the best thing he's still good friends with a lot of my friends if i saw him i'd say hi but I, i'm not going to go out of my way the way i used to yeah so and by the way I'm, i apologize i'm certain he's heard this and he's like dude what the fuck i'm sorry it's just sometimes you grow up and you become a fucking father and you have a family yeah. and you have a small group of friends you go I think I'm 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 trimming off fat. There's barely time for like your yeah. family and friends. Like you gotta you gotta pick wisely at a certain point. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. The point of the story, which is which is describes this guy Paul Lane, is Bill Blank says a joke busting the other guy's balls. And the other guy uh maybe hasn't been in a lot of confrontations in life, but definitely feels the right to say, Hey man, go fuck yourself. And Bill's like, Hey man, we don't talk like that in Des Moines unless you want to fight and he's like fuck you I'll whip your ass and Bill and then immediately it's always a lame city though when they say that we don't do that in Juneau Alaska he's like yeah you don't fucking talk shit like that out in Iowa if you want to talk shit we can go outside I'll whip your ass and then the other guy's like fuck you and then Paul Lane just goes all right he's the owner of the club they're going out to fight both you guys go outside and I'm like hang on what and then you see the other guy the guy I used to be really good friends with go hold on I don't want to get in a fist fight. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. You said you're going to fight him. We're all going outside to watch you guys fight. And the guy's like, no, it's just talking shit. And he goes, oh, no, there's no such thing as talking shit. You guys go out and fight. Let's go. And like, I remember going like, you're the manager of a fucking club. Like, you can't have the two comics working together 
go out to the fucking street and fist fight like his roadhouse. <laughs> I respected that. I felt I felt so bad for the guy because I'm a lot like the other guy, not Bill Blank. I'm a lot like the other guy where I'll talk shit. And then the one someone goes, all right, you guys go out and fist fight. I'd be like, hold on. No, I, I was, don't do that. Yeah, I was just talking shit, man. Yeah. Don't you know how this works? <laughs> but I remember go, get leaving. I, I like both, liked both of them at the moment. I was like, I left with that one guy. I was like, that was fucked up. He was like, you're fucking telling me. Yeah. I almost got into a fist fight. And I was like, yeah, but you were talking like you wanted to get into a fist fight. And he's like, yeah, we all talk like that. <laughs> yeah, we're all fucking, we don't think of the consequences. I got attacked in Burlington like you got, four months ago. Did, what, yeah, Did I what tell was you that? that? No, I saw it online, I think. I, uh. Dude, I was so I'm with Carmen Lagala, who's opening for me, really funny, and we're hanging out at a bar like two blocks from the show. And this guy just walks over to me, and I could tell if something's off. You know, you can tell if something's a little off. He's a little drunk, definitely drunk. And he said, he just looked at me and he goes, "University of Vermont," and I said, "No." And he goes, "Uh, master's degree," and I was like, "You're getting colder, no." And then, uh, and then he just looked at me and goes, "I want to beat the shit out of all of you." And I, I love that your response was you're getting colder. Yeah, I was but <laughs> already. Then, you're out of his league, wit wise. He walks. He goes University of Vermont. You're like no master's degree. You're getting colder. <laughs> well, he. I kind of. He says I want to beat the shit out of you, and I just kind of like with Carmen and two other comics from Vermont. We kind of. I kind of turn around like this guy's bluffing. He's not going to actually hit us. And then he takes a pint glass and smashes it over my head, and it shatters. I was like, fuck. He was not bluffing. So, uh, <laughs> so he runs out and uh, they call the cops and I will vouch for this. The second he left, I yelled to everyone in the bar. I said, you all heard him call me Jew boy before he did it. And uh, they're like, no, he didn't. I was like, I know. But I was just trying to get a laugh the second it happened because I was nervous. I wanted to, just, I, they could, I could see how scared Carmen was because she was like, holy shit, I recommended this bar. I'm from Vermont. And You're from Vermont? No, she is. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, she, I think she was like, what the fuck just happened? So I was just trying to keep it light, you know, yeah. like, you know, you Did still it hurt. Yeah, it hurt. But I was also like, it's more like, you know, the, you, it, your adrenaline kicks in. So I'm kind of like, well, I just, I know I have a concussion. I don't know how w much worse it is than that. But, uh, the cops come and my mom is furious. Cause I'm like Instagram storying with the cops trying to make oh. jokes out of it. So she finds out from my Instagram and she's calling me. She's like, pick up the fucking phone. And uh, we talked for a while and I was like, I just got, I didn't do She didn't believe that I didn't, this is my, she, my mom didn't believe that I didn't talk shit to the guy. And oh, I was that's like, the same thing. I didn't talk shit. I was seriously just sitting. It was, it was a random, the guy turned out to be a therapist who was trying to get murdered. He pulled, he went for the cop's gun when the cops got him. So he was hoping to commit suicide by cop wait, which wait wait whoa slow this which down. white people can't fucking do it doesn't work <laughs> but uh no but he he seriously i i had to be on the phone with like the victim's advocate in vermont it was a whole thing wait wait hold on so he's a therapist yeah not anymore so, no shit so but he's trying what was he going through that he was trying to get killed he was going through a bad divorce and so he's a therapist yeah. and he walks up to you making fun of the idea that you might be going to college he was so fucked up. I think he just wanted to get either get the shit kicked out of him or like, he, I think, you know, those types of drunks who I think he wanted to either get the shit kicked out of him. So I think he hit me hoping I would hit back, but I was kind of dazed when he hit me. So I was sitting down when he hit me. So I just kind of stood up when he hit me, but kind of in a daze and he stared me down and just ran. And, uh, and then the cops found him Yeah, that night. Yeah. They got him. And, uh, not, the cops were like picking glass out of my hair they're like yeah it's just like a fucking big bump on your head and i was like yeah it doesn't feel good though you yeah. know but uh blood and they would have been more there was like some cuts on my neck and stuff just from the glass but uh it yeah i was fine i wasn't that bad did you now this is gonna sound so silly but like i've been beat i've been beaten up i think twice i've been punched a couple times but like beaten up were like 
Like I was like, hey guy, will you please quit? Twice. <laughs> I like how both of us are just not fighters. Will I'm you not please a fighter at all? You will you please quit is the best line. Like, how long until you get tired? Like, you still got manners though, yeah. dude. You said please and everything. One time was by this black dude in high school that my buddy Cowhead found. <laughs> Cow, you know Cowhead or I've Mike heard the name. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't. Mike, Mike Cowhead is the best. His, yeah. Tampa. his, his nickname. Was I Cowhead. think you called in once when I was on Cowhead. Probably. Yeah. yeah probably. No, he's he's a great dude. He's the best. He found him. Because he was like, I want to find out how true your story was or whatever. And he found the guy. Still lives in Tampa. The guy had, by the way, I was, I was, I, it was 2009. The guy had a, like a 17-year-old daughter. I, I, I guarantee you he had, he had him very, had a, that child very, very, very young. Yeah. Right after he beat my ass. <laughs> but um, he found the guy and the guy was like, and Mike's like, Cal's like, hey, get on the show. I'd love to have you on the show to talk to Bert. Guy's like, $500. Cal's like, all right, go fuck yourself. Yeah, just Bert's the talent. I'm not. I'm not paying Bert. I'm not gonna pay the guy that beat him up that no one's gonna like at the end of this. But at the end of that, I had a little bit of I wouldn't say PTSD, but I had a little bit of traumatic stress. Where like, I and it was after the fighting, so I guess it was post. But it was that like, if I I was nervous that he was gonna be around the corner, that same guy. And he was black. So anytime I saw anyone black, I would be like, ooh. Like, I went to my grandmother's house right after the fight. Yeah. And I got in the elevator. These shows in Richmond are brutal. <laughs> I got in the elevator, and there was a doctor that lived in her building that was black. It was, must have yeah. been like 1130 at night. And the door was closing. I was going up to her place. The door was closing. I heard the door to the lobby open. And him run in and... I saw his hand, just a black hand stop the door. And real quick, I went, Damn. oh, God. And and then he came in, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I'm not afraid of black people, but now the skin color is freaking me out. And <laughs> and it was just for that, like, like that night, really, right after I got beaten up. I was afraid he was going to find me and finish it up. Well, yeah, he already beat you up, so yeah. you're, you're scared. That makes God, sense. man, that guy was not scared of a fucking thing. We He beat me up. All, all his friends left. My two friends pull up in a car to, like, break the fight up. And he comes and he, they, I jump in the car. I kick him in the face. Shit. Yeah. So like I dive in the wind. I, dive I can in the, see you being able to throw down a little bit. No, I, this was such a lucky kick. Really? I dove in the, I dove. I don't know, man. Kicks are, they're tough to pull off. I feel like. Jay Langford and Blake Casper had my, I th I'm almost certain those are the exact names. I don't know if it was Jay or Alan Rieger, but it was Blake Casper was there and they were in my Fox. They pull up. I had a folks, white Volkswagen Fox. Uh, Blake goes out and talks shit to the guy. The guy <laughs> stops beating my ass and runs over to beat up Blake. Blake gets in the car and shuts the door and he's like, go, 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 go. What? And so, yeah, yeah, immediately. And, but I mean, we're kids. We're, you know, neither, none of us are badasses. We're all like fucking privileged white kids. They don't go. I run in front of the window and stand in front of the window and talk shit to the guy. Blake is holding my shirt, like, get in the fucking car. The window's down. I step towards him to like, lunge at him the guy kind of like pulls back i dive in the car he goes in to get me and in the i mean the perfect shot ever jay langford punches it the car takes off and i kick the guy in the face feet out the window kick him in the face and knock him down Damn. and i'm like whoo take off down the street we stop at a four-way intersection they're like and jay is like there's three of us there's one of him all the black guys have disappeared right yeah all the black guys have disappeared <laughs> and it was one of him he he chased us in his car he had like a, a like a like I want to say like a Trans Am, but it was up on big wheels. Yeah, we're like there's three of us. There's one of him. We get out of the 
my car. I go, guys, I got weapons in my trunk. I get what the kind key. of weapons do you have? I pull out a tennis racket, a golf club, <laughs> a fucking lacrosse stick. It was the, the most white tools of fucking whiteness you'll ever see. A jar of mayonnaise. A jar of mayonnaise. <laughs> a protractor. <laughs> <laughs> a restraining order. We and <laughs> The guy pulled up and tried to fight all three of us, and we were like, get back in the car. We're not going to win. And so we took off and left. Dropped those guys off, drove to my grandmother's house, went to my grandmother's house. You're, got like, the, the you're like the one gang in the Warriors that they didn't talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were the definite socials. Mid-roll reads. Mid-roll reads. What are they? These are mid-roll reads. If you haven't heard me talking about hymns, then you're not listening. I've been talking about hymns now for probably a year. They are helping guys look their best. 66% of men start losing their hair by the age of 35. And once you've noticed their hair is thinning, it can be too late. Is that hairline slowly moving back? Or do you see bald spots like I did when I was 22 and my buddies were standing over me in my fraternity house and they're like, bro, you're going bald. My heart dropped. I felt it was the first foot in the grave that I had, and I wanted to stop it right there, and that is how you do it. You get in front of that train, and you stop it, you rob it, and then you get famous. <laughs> That's my two cents. I started on hair loss medicine probably 22 years ago, and if you look, your boys still got hair. I only wear hats because I look cute in them. 4 is the one-stop shopping for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men and it's time to write a new chapter in your life. And in this chapter, you have hair. These aren't snake oil pills or gas station over-the-counter supplements. These are prescriptions backed by science. Him was created by a guy who knew some men's health conversations are better to have and easier to have online than in person. No awkward in-person doctor visits. No pharmacy long lines. Answer a few quick questions. A doctor will review, and if they determine it's right for you, they can prescribe you the medication to treat your hair loss that is shipped directly to your door super discreetly. This holiday season, let it grow, 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 let it grow. Dive into 2020 hair first. Right now, my listeners can get started with their first month for free. Go to 4hims.com slash BurtCast. That's 4hims.com slash BurtCast. Disclaimer. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Offer valid only if prescribed a three-month minimum subscription. Additional restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that is 4hims.com slash BurtCast. This podcast is also brought to you by Quip. I've been having problems with my teeth. Everyone knows I do not like the taste of toothpaste. I swear to you. I swear to you, unless it's Quip. Quip's toothpaste, for some reason, whatever my sensory processing thing is, it, it just clicks. I usually use soap when I'm on the road, but Quip's toothpaste is awesome. Now, that's not the story I want to tell you. The story I want to tell you is I'm having problems with my teeth. I'm on the set every single day, and a lot of times I'll walk out without brushing my teeth, and I'll go, damn it. And then one morning I thought, I, I got to have a Quip around here. I grabbed a Quip. I grabbed their toothpaste. I then took it and left it in my trailer, stuck it to the mirror. I took the top off, stuck it to the mirror, put the toothpaste brush in there, put the toothpaste there, and now I've been brushing twice a day on set, and my teeth problem are good. You got to brush for two minutes twice a day, flossing regularly, no matter what brand you use. 
But Quip makes it simple, starting with an electric toothbrush, reuse, refillable floss, and anti-cavity toothpaste. Their, their brush has sensitive sonic vibrations with a built-in timer, 30-second pulses to give you a full and even clean. The Quip floss dispenser comes with pre-marked string to let you know just how much is enough. Plus, Quip delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills to your door every three months with free shipping. So your routine is always right. I love opening that drawer and seeing the Quip toothbrush. It cheers me up. The taste or that the toothpaste, the taste of that toothpaste cheers me up. Join the over 3 million healthy mouths and get Quip today starting at $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash BurtCast right now, you'll get your first refill for free. That is your first refill for free at getquip.com slash BurtCast. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash BurtCast. Quip, the good habits company. That's hilarious. By the way, when I read The Outsiders, I thought it was The Socks the whole time. I never read it. Oh, for real? Classic. It's yeah, I know it's a classic book. book. The movie's better. Yeah, Matt Dillon, right? And C. Thomas Howell. Dude. Remember C. Thomas Howell and Soul, Soul Man? Was that what it was called? Where he was a black... Could you make that movie now? No? No, you could, I think. No. <laughs> Not even remotely. Dude, Sarah Silverman got fired for wearing blackface. Do you see that? Did you remember when Jimmy Kimmel used to do Carl Malone in black in oh, black body? In He'd black do like black body. ears, and you'd be like, "Is it, even then?" I was like, "Is this okay?" He's getting fired soon. He'll be fired. <laughs> by the way, I bet by the time this airs, Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel's lost his job. He <laughs> has that? to. He has to. But here's the thing: I read an article last night about the hypocrisy of the left. And by the way, I'm I'm extremely liberal. Just so everyone knows, and everyone always says, state your politics. No, but I'm in, but in, 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 in comedy, the left has kind of be, and I'm pretty liberal too. But the the left has become the right almost. Like when Hardcore. you when you read about what Lenny Bruce was kind of fighting against with like the church and all things like that, it was all conservative right wingers. And now it's if you're being silenced or, or attempted to be silenced, it's, it's it's from the left. Usually, it's definitely from the left. It's from our own party who. Is hypocritical. Yeah. I, I would never, I'm never. I mean, talk about do. virtue signaling, you know? Michael Che had that great bit about how liberals will get offended on behalf of others, which there's nothing more oh, condescending. I, just, I, have a joke, I have a joke like that in my new special. That's not the joke. The joke is about, uh, that. it's a story about that. But yeah, about people getting offended on behalf of someone is outrageous. It's outrageous. Dude, Alyssa Milano. By the way, I'm, I, I, I can't call out Sarah. So I would never call out another comic yeah. ever. I, I'll, I stand by Sarah Silverman. I think that when I think she, it's dangerous when you call out other comics. Like I think you know, so the too. comics who call it, every comic should be behind Dina Hashem, who I'm sure you know about. Uh, yeah, you know, I know Dina. Every yeah. comic should be behind at least you know the right to make that joke. Yeah, you know the right and and I I thought it was a funny joke, but I think you should be behind the right to make. Is that you talking about Dina's? Yeah, yeah. Dina's joke is a great joke about Triple X or yeah. whatever the guy's name let's, is. Let's take it easy before we get death threats too. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, but uh, but. Sarah Silverman wore blackface. Yeah. Um, she wore it in 2007. Sure. I mean, I, there was never, I guess, theoretically, what everyone will say is there's never a time you can wear blackface. Go through my uh, Facebook, and you'll see my high school cheerleading team um, is in blackface dancing to Baby Got Back. They wore blackface. They The cheerleaders wore blackface and danced to Baby Got Back. Yeah. Afro wigs, those Afro wigs everyone would wear at Halloween and dress in the 70s outfit, technically blackface well there was that politician right in virginia too yeah i mean dude I, growing up in the south I, I, I gotta be honest with you i saw i didn't see a ton of blackface i didn't see a ton of it and 
I will only say the reason you'll never f- see me in blackface. I don't like makeup on my face. <laughs> I, it bothers me. Anything that like makeup on my lips freaks it's me not out. The only reason. <laughs> it's the only reason. <laughs> Man, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm not more noble than the next person. I'm not. I'm going to say I'm I better th- than the. Next I also person. like. Here's the thing about that, and I would never defend it because it's it's stupid. But it's also like there are people in our world that go for the shock laugh yeah. and and they fail at it, and you know that's a bad like it's a bad move. But yeah. you know, but it was. It was a different time. Like people like to just pretend history didn't happen. Two thousand seven was different. Jimmy Kimmel was in full black person. But don't you even don't you remember even watching that and being like, this is not this is probably not good. I remember thinking, you're. I, I remember. I mean, personally, when I was watching Jimmy, I remember thinking, you're making really making fun of the man's intelligence. Oh yeah. Like like Carl Malone. Carl Malone, just, by the way, fucked a thirteen year old and impregnated her when he was twenty. Did you know that? <laughs> Small town. So it was guess, like a swept under the rug story. So, but I, it's guess, like this, so I guess Carl Malone's gonna gonna call out cancel culture, Jimmy <laughs> Kimmel, because then it comes right back. It's like it's a trickle down effect of who you cancel. If you shit on people's intelligence, make sure they uh, commit statutory rape, and you'll get off with it. Yeah, get okay. you just gotta make sure they got more dirt, <laughs> dude. The, the whole thing is like things were different at a certain time. Yeah, dude. I mean, dude, remember when Manhattan? I mean, Woody Allen is dating a high school kid, and it's weird, but it's not as weird as if you just. I don't know. It, it it's weirder now that we know who he is, but yeah, Woody Allen's probably not the best. You know the Wayne Fetterman joke about Woody Allen, no. where he said, uh, "Woody Allen, man, he's my hero all these years, and still married to the same daughter." <laughs> That's a perfect joke. That's a great joke. That's a great joke. Woody Allen is ground zero for me too. You know that? It's crazy. He is ground zero. Had he not married his daughter, his son Ronan, Ronan, Rowan, yeah, Rowan, Ronan, yeah, Ronan. Would have never or Sinatra's son, depending on what we're going by. He yeah. looks like Sinatra. He would have never felt the need to defend his mother and attack, and and and, and that's his. That's, I think that if I'm not mistaken, that's that's Ronan. Ronan's kind of mission is to call out sexual predators. He wrote that Weinstein piece. He wrote that Weinstein piece. Thank God, though. Yeah. Thank Weinstein, God. Fuck Weinstein, man. Fuck, dude. Fuck. Woody Allen hurts though. As like I I get like I was never a huge Cosby guy, but like Woody Allen like. I'm a New York Jew, man. That guy was like, he was the tops. Like I loved, I loved all those movies, you know? Yeah. I mean, I never liked, you know, it's so funny. I never liked Woody Allen. I never really gave a fuck about him. I remember this is going to be, seem a little bit loaded when I say this. I was working with Louis CK and Louis CK said to me something about Woody Allen. And I go, eh, I don't really give a fuck about that guy. And he was like, hold on. What did you just say? I said, I don't really like Woody Allen. And he goes, I, I don't know if I can respect you right now. You don't like Woody Allen? I have, you seen, have you seen his movies? Yeah, but generationally, especially growing up in the South, I got first introduced to Woody Allen because of that case of him dating his daughter. At a blackface party? No, no, he had a blackface party. No, <laughs> because of him dating his daughter. Yeah. So as soon as... Oh, wow. And so that's how I first heard of him was that he was dating his daughter. And Sun Lee, and I, I just thought that was fucked up as yeah. a kid. And so when I first started watching his movies, I couldn't see past that. Oh, that makes sense. And so I never really could get into his movies. But yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's what he did is horrible. <laughs> I mean, I you can't, can't marry your stepdaughter. Just doesn't make sense. I mean, you sense. can, I guess, but you shouldn't. Yeah, I guess if you fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who are we? What we like the super liberal who's like, who are we to stop? Uh, Mary Kay Letourneau, she, they're married, right? Yeah, I, I just wrote a joke about that the other day. <laughs> they say you can never fuck kids. Well, tell that to Mary Kay and Billy. They seem to be working out. Just they worked fine. out, man. They worked out just fine. I mean, yeah. I had, I, don't a, I had a guy one time at one of my. I did a live show, and I said to him, he was in the front row, 
and me and Doug Benson and Doug Stanhope were doing this bit where Doug Benson said, I could guess your age. Doug Stanhope said, I could guess your weight. And I said, I could guess your secret. Whoa. And so. That's scary. Yeah. It was, I, I just thought it, when it, the punchline for me was age, weight. And then I say something, I say a, a, a punchline that is ridiculous, you know, like, yeah. Uh, and then that would be the laugh, right? Yeah. So I don't remember what I, I don't remember what my punchline was because he outweighed us so much with the, Doug Benson's like uh, 178. <laughs> Doug Benson's like uh, 25. And I, and I don't remember what my secret was. Uh, it was, you know, you, uh, you killed a man on a drive home once, drunk. You never told anyone, but you still have the hair in your wish. Or whatever it was. Yeah. So I was trying to find think about punchline. And he, the kid, just sometimes you get people that are just so caught off guard by everything, they're just so honest. And he goes, no. And we're like, how old are you? And he goes, 27. We're like, how much do you weigh? He goes, 172. And we're like, and I go, what's your secret? And he goes, huh? I said, what's your secret? And he goes, I lost my virginity to my sixth grade teacher. And the place went fucking nuts, wow. right? And Doug Stanhope, in the truest fucking anti, whatever, anti-establishment, anti, just contrarian way, Doug Stanhope goes, you're cheering a rape. I just want everyone to know that you're cheering a rape. Tell your story. And the guy told the story, and people could not get past cheering it. They just, he was like, well, they, she brought me in for homework. Everyone's like, oh. And Doug's like, he was molested. You're remember he was raped. You know what the problem is? People look at teachers. We've been like fed these articles where they're always kind of attractive. At least the females. They never publicize the ones that aren't attractive. So we think of it as a good thing. But most people are unattractive. Most people. Mo so what percentage know, of people do you think is unattractive? Most of them. I don't know. Dude, I'm have you ever? Gone, you know what my my daughter? Have you ever been on Bumble and Buffalo? Every woman looks like Artie Lang. It's fucking crazy. My daughters and I, <laughs> whenever we're in public places, yeah, we uh, ding attractive people. Like people that we find to be attractive, we'll go ding, 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 or just give them like a ding. Yeah. And like if they're kind of attractive. And it's amazing. You can go through Universal City Walk and not ding a soul. Yeah. And this is LA. Yeah. This is where beautiful come, people come to prove their beauty. Yeah. But yeah, my, it's most people are unattractive. Yeah. That's good. That coming from real, two really attractive men. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, no, I really, uh, it's fucking great. I think, um, well, oh, you know what you're talking about? The main because you're talking about Tampa, and I was thinking of uh, one of my favorite club owners. You know, Bobby Jewell. Yeah, that guy's like a fucking legend. Dude, and that, he's he's a solid guy. He always increased my money at the Improv because every year he would give me some outrageous <laughs> offer that he knew I wasn't going to make that money in. Yeah, we take it to the Improv, they'd match it. He's a solid dude. I got I had nothing but love for Bobby. Him. Uh, is such a drinker. I talk about him all the time. He's got you know the hair piece the pinky ring he dresses like charlie sheen yeah you know and then he like every time he sees me he's like you piece of shit <laughs> he just he like they'll like just have a bottle of whiskey and pound it within like 40 minutes yeah and the whole time he's like you fucking pussy i leave pieces of shit like you in the dirt and i'm like yeah you can now drink me at 58 that's not good you know but he was like he'll be like i remember you used to fucking drink with me till 3 a.m and i'd be like yeah i was like 23 like what child <laughs> i was like i, had I was trying to get in at the club bobby yeah I, I, and then but then he like he's so man so i was with dina there and he he cooks his dinner Who are you his, with dina hashem she brought me i brought yeah. her there and you know he's she's of course like this guy is insane this is yeah. hilarious you know like because we're talking about guys like that like no longer existing like he's one no of the, longer yeah he i think he just sold the club he correct? sold it 
he sold it. I'm going to miss him giving away like 40 grand a year in liquor sales to just patrons who are just chilling there. Oh. But uh, dude, so we were at his home and it's like, it's the model home. He didn't change anything. It's just like how they present the home. He's like, yeah, just keep it all like this. Yeah. So we're there, he's cooking us steaks and uh, cooked us this great dinner. And then we're at the club later that night and he just shows up loaded. And he's like, he's like a sitcom. He's like the sitcom character where you're like, he shows up and everyone applauds, you know, because he's like, you know, he's like that dude. He, he, like, he's the mess, but he shows up and everyone's like, fuck, Bobby's here, you know? And, uh, and of course he rolls in, like, but he does one of these, he like poses when he comes in. We're all like, dude, no one's happy that you're here right now. Because he's loaded, he just gets in my face, starts breathing on me. He's like, you fucking hack. He's like, you stink. And then he, he turns to me and he goes, I fucking cooked you dinner. I was like, yeah, you invited us over. Like, what do you want me to say to that? Like, that's... That's, He's, we accepted your invitation. I didn't know you were going to hold it against me. I feel bad. I feel I don't. I don't feel bad because I'm sure a lot of atrocities happened at the hands of these guys that we worshipped. But they're all gone. They're all fucking gone. It's fun when there's like two left, and you're like, "Well, this will be that weekend where." Oh, I mean, I I don't. I haven't. I remember, like club, like it was. It was so fucked up. You'd go to a club, and they'd be like, "They say you drink." I expect my bar sales to be big. And you'd be like, yeah. I mean, you know, what's crazy is like, I, I don't know, like, if Bobby Kelly and I went through and talked about some of the guys, you'd be like, they sound like really horrible. Bobby people. Kelly walks in. I heard you eat. No, I better sell a shitload of cheesecake this weekend. This was skinny, sexy Bobby. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's when Bobby was doing the road. I think Bobby was probably doing the road the hardest, Was is like, yeah. I, I think he's probably doing it pretty hard right now. But like, what I think right around that, the right before torgasm right after torgasm bobby was like just bobby's fucking... a new bit about breaking his rib going tubing and it's like one of the funniest bit. for real he's so he cracks me up so much he really is dude he i really had to, so I had to follow him on cow on my calta screws and he destroyed he's a he's a tough follow he really is because he murders he's silly he's funny he's likable he's, yeah, he's kind of got it all yeah yeah i talked about him a little bit with with joe list but he really he went up and he was like it's funny because I, I've been doing it less than Bobby. I think Bobby respects me, but I don't think he respects me enough for me to give him insights on where I think he should take a story because he's really a storyteller. Yeah. Like he's a natural storyteller totally. who's kind of fought it his whole career, I feel like. I that's think a, that's a good, that's a good I feel insight. like I feel like for the longest part of his career, he would do bits. Bobby's going to fucking hate us talking about his act. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a I huge mean, fan. I also, I also think like, I mean, he just is like the funniest dude if you're just hanging out. Like, you'll just walk in. He'll just keep abusing you. Yeah. And be like, don't you try to get out of this. I'm like, get out of what? I'm just trying to eat a meal. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he don't did, you weasel your way out of this ass kicking? He, I, I think he's a, a little bit of a purist in that, I, like, I remember when he first started, it would be, it would be like premise driven, like almost like Godfrey a little bit, like, like, uh, you know, it, and then, and then I, as I've seen him mature as a comic, like he did all, he did all all stories like yeah. at, at fucking cowheads thing yeah it was all stories and they were better than anything i had and it was murderous to the point he told a story about his wedding that i was like i was like i literally was in the back going i wanted to be like yo i know how i would fucking punch that up i know where i would take that i know where i but i don't i don't think bobby i think bobby's I like would, i would bet he would embrace that i don't know i don't I, know I, well yeah i don't know either. you always you always look at the guys that have been doing young you, less than you you always look at them as it's why they say i don't know never... if someone's like why don't you say this I, I i welcome that i really do i think yeah but i think that like if i went up to colin quinn and i was like hey i got an idea for you he'd be like yeah good 
Like right. I think I think that especially in I, New York yeah, when I, I started, saying. the guys that were doing it longer looked at the guys that had been doing it shorter. Like there was not there was no what happened is as a long class, as you come about it in a humble way. I don't no, but think a, a class of comedians kind of disappeared in New York, in my opinion. I don't know what happened to them. It's my generation kind of went and did alt scenes or did like TV or didn't do comedy because they were like scared of the guys. There was a time where you could not sit down at the cellar. Like legit, you'd go to even when like I was new at the there. cellar, it wasn't that, but I still got, my audition night, I got beaten up. It was like 2011. I remember sitting down at the table, not knowing what I, <clears throat> by the way, scariest set of my life to this day was my seller audition yeah scarier than any tv set or whatever and i i remember circling the block three times before i walked in because i was just scared and gary goldman recommended me there and and esty even then was like uh gary's reputation is on the line i was like fuck you know everything about it keith robinson just beating up on me being like look how scared dream, he is i had a dream about keith last night that's crazy i had a dream about i've, keith I've never night. heard that i've never heard anyone say that I ever had a dream about keith last night <laughs> Keith is a pure shit talker. He's maybe the best ball buster where he can just shit on you for two hours and you leave like, that guy really cares, you know? Keith, Keith would be, Keith's the one, I'll say this about all comics, but like legit, Keith's the one comic I see where you could plug him into any occupation and his personality would stay identical to who yeah. it is. Yeah. Like you can almost see Keith uh, as a fucking, uh, as a nurse, just fucking destroying you, just destroying you You're right. in scrubs, working at the airport at TSA, identical, fucking identical, True. driving a bus. Like Keith is someone, his personality transcends everything. I think. Oh, he's he's so rude to people that it's refreshing. Oh. Like you'll hear there were these women just gabbing one night. He goes, "Ah, shut up, dummy!" And you're just yeah. like, Gee, "They're strangers. You can't <laughs> do that." Strangers. Shit. You can't they just don't say know you're a comedian. You can't just say shut up to people, <laughs> dude. Um, wait, what were we? Oh, yeah. What I was saying was like my generation, I think Gary Goldman's a little I think he's my generation, but he is a little bit older than me. He'd been doing it in Boston. But like like Dimitri Martin, Mike Birbiglia, uh uh Kevin Hart's my generation, oddly enough. But like I think that there's a group of guys that just kind of like pulled back from the cellar because it was so fucking run by Patrice, Bobby, Voss, Norton, Colin. It was so tough, crowdy, that like I, I don't think anyone my age got in there. Yeah, it's and, hard to picture but, uh, Dimitri Martin being like, shut up, dummy. Yeah, like D Dimitri Martin, like Steve Burnt. There's a lot of guys that just kind of like, or maybe moved out to LA. I don't know what it is, but like when I think of like the pecking order that I remember when I was there. Yeah. Dude, I remember they'd be like. I missed out on that whole hazing thing. Oh, it and now it's, it's only gotten nicer and nicer there. Which is better, I think. It's good. There's still like a little bit of shit talking. Like, you know, Liz, who runs it, I can't tell you how often I get a text from her uh, that's just like, you piece of shit. Like every, and I'm like, this could be anything. I don't know what I did. Like, <laughs> this could be, this could be anything. Dude, last time I was there, <laughs> Liz was like, are you going up? And I was like, no. She's like, you're going up next. And I was like, you should, yeah. Why? Like, you were fighting it. I was Why like, were you I'm fighting drunk. it? I'm drunk. I don't want to go up if I've been drinking because I don't know what I'm going to say. You could pull it out. Yeah, I pulled it out fine. But then I, but then I was like, I was like, as soon as I got done, I was like, do not, no one let that happen again. And then it tells like, Birdie, coming on stage. And I was like, no, definitely not. I just embarrassed myself now. I just turned into fucking some horrible. I love when Natal just shits on you on stage. He's like, Sam, oh. you're a vampire. What do you think? You're just like, he's just shitting you on the way to the, to the setup where you're yeah. like, How? I'm getting hit. It's like fighting a guy who's just like, bam, bam, like body shot, body shot, then face shot. First time know? I walked through the cellar and Natal was on stage. First time I ever walked through the cellar. I walked to use the bathroom. I'm there with Dimitri Martin. 
and we're in the back to watch Atel. He's like, Atel's on stage right now. I'm like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And I was wearing a Hawaiian shirt, and Atel <laughs> saw me walking through with a Hawaiian shirt, and he goes, only two things in this world were Hawaiian shirts, party animals and faggots. Which one are you? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Dude, I once, you know, you, you see people coming out of the bathroom on stage from the cellar. I saw three... Uh, three guys came out at once and they all had glasses on and Tell goes, what is that, a nerd portal? <laughs> it's like, what a quick line. It's like, he, he was the master. He was so masterful at like, at like what I loved what he did what he, what, what, when I was younger, what he would do is he would put pins in things and be like, hold on, mathletes, I'll get to you in a second. The Chinese <laughs> Chinese chess club's talking to me. Give me one second. I'm going to talk to them in a second. Like just, and just, like almost like placeholders around the room yeah and he'd do a bit and then he'd go to that spot and then yeah. do a bit and come to this spot it was so free that i was like i was like i wish one day i could be that clear on stage where i could go the what do you do he's almost like a not he's almost in like not even human like you see him and it's almost like a bodega cat we're just excited that he's there and then he like runs away and you're yeah. like all right that was that Dude, that was my moment my favorite i have i have a million favorite tell stories but one of my favorite ones ever is me and Eddie Ift go to Off the Wagon. Is oh, off I remember the, that bar. Yeah. Oh, is it gone out there anymore? No, it's there. It's the beer pong and everything, right? Uh, not back then, yeah, but yeah. it was just like a bar, and we walk in, and it tells at the bar drinking. We sit at a table. I think Godfrey was with you too, right? Uh, maybe. I, I think he's told me this, but yeah. maybe I'm off on this. I don't know. And so we sit down, possibly. We sit down, and we see a tell, and we're like, oh, shit, it's Dave Attell. Oh, well, let's go over and like buy him a drink or something. Let's say hi. And they're like, okay. So we go to stand up to go over to the bar. And as soon as we stand up, the bartender comes over and puts down shots of whiskey. He goes, these are from Mattel. And we're like, oh, cool. So we go to take our shots over. And he goes, he said, leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. Similar thing happened to me and Mackie with Bill Burr like many years ago. It's probably like eight years ago or something. And really? We saw Bill Burr alone watching the Bruins at the playwright in Times Square. And Mackie said, we should go talk to him. Mackie was drunk. It was his birthday. And Mackie immediately goes over and Burr goes, ah, oh, what the fuck do you want? And Mackie said, we have, this is when it was a kiss of death. He said, we have the same agent. And Bill Burr goes, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> we have the same agent. Mackie didn't know what to say. He was nervous. Yeah. And Burr just unloaded on both of us oh. it was it was pretty hilarious looking back it's pretty damn funny burr's the fucking burr's he is the nicest guy too burr's honesty is his brutal honesty it was is beautiful. so fucking great no i mean mackie it, he he will he'll harp on negative social interactions and even he thinks that was like hilarious oh i would love to be a parent at bill burr's school yes it's, it's, you know what's so funny is i will meet people who go like uh i can't do this without I don't, i'll do it without my my someone i met someone i was i was having a working with it not in the business but like the way you were like a dentist or something like a guy like that goes uh are you a comedian i go yeah and he goes i, I know a comedian kind of want to talk to him i think he does a lot of cocaine and i went really and he goes yeah he's a big drinker smokes i go jim jeffries he goes yeah how'd you know <laughs> i go eh, this is just a fucking guess but i love when they go though people will say oh i know a comedian uh I, like there's a perfect example perfect example i was at my cardiologist the other day <laughs> the guy the nurse comes in to take my blood pressure take my blood <laughs> and he goes so they they say you're a comedian i said i am he goes oh i'm i'm a big fan of uh one guy i go joe coy and he goes 
how did you know? I go, you're a nurse. And he goes, wait, hey, did you know that all Filipinos are nurses? And then I go, it's in Joe's act. And he goes, dude. And so then within, I swear to God, within my visit, five nurses came in. They're like, so you really know Joe Coy? And I was like, yeah. They're like, yes. his, uh, they go, that guy that took your blood, his mom's a nurse, his brother's a nurse, his sister's a nurse, his auntie's a nurse. Everyone in his family's nurses. They're all Filipino. All Everyone here is it's Filipino. I, I dated like, a wow. Filipino nurse. There are a lot For of real? Filipino nurses. Yeah. A lot Why are of they all so uh, nurses? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's a very racist answer to it, and I don't want to touch it. I bet. Well, you know, all Filipinos have very American names. Like, we ever meet a Filipino, they have the most American names. Oh, that's interesting. And, but it's because all the GIs were down there and, and had, like, huh. half-white babies. Damn. And so they wanted, and yeah, I guess. I don't know if that's accurate. That's my guess. Filipinos. Very attractive I wish you could just. I wish you could just put a disclaimer on a podcast and go, hey, guys, I don't read a whole lot. I'm not racist. I just have ideas that I haven't thought through. That's every podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to put a disclaimer. People know. The, uh, the I love when you find like uh, I wanted to do a I wanted to do a website called uh, brandnewstereotypes.com. Check to see if that's a, oh, out Halston. Oh, that's good. Brand new stereotypes. So when you see something, what you do is you put it on brand new stereotypes, right? Like you would go, um, uh, uh, like uh, black people fall asleep very easily, <laughs> and that's like a brand new stereotype, right? And then people would go through life kind of looking at it. By the way, that was a joke I used to have. Yeah. I used to have. And all Rogan's done is put pictures of Ian Edwards asleep on a plane. Dude, black people, I'm not even joking. I really do believe they have the ability to fall asleep easier than white people. I don't know what it is if they're more calm. Like I don't Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they're more tense and then you finally just lay down and you're like, all right. I have no I dude, but but it would be great to put it on brand new stereotypes. Black people can fall asleep easily. What's the new one about Jews? Um Okay, hold on. Give me a sec. Uh, Brandnewstereotypes.com. Can you buy it? We got to get you so you can buy these websites. Do you know what's available? What? Cunt.com. Wow. Yeah. What was the other one we did? Uh, we have Diet <laughs> can, I, can I pee real quick? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just go piss by the Bird of Pot Paradise. Can you piss outside? Yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, right by the Bird of Paradise. Just piss. You'll see to the left. Okay. Yeah. You can also go inside if you want to, but it's just easier. Um. So, just so you guys know, if we ever edit something out of the podcast like we did today, it's because we forget we're doing a podcast. Just so you know, like I, we edited something out the other day. Oh, with me and Joe List, and you just end up talking so freely that you're like, "Hey, I don't know if these are thoughts I've thought out, and I want to share with everyone or put someone on blast." Yeah, no one's missing anything by these edits. You're not at missing all. anything. It's just. Sometimes we're just talking a little looser or shittier than we would. That's my podcast. My podcast is not live, so people don't bite their tongues. And so sometimes people say stuff, and then they kind of you can see them wince. And I go, we don't have to put that in. And they're like, oh, I appreciate it. And I actually, I'm the one that said, hey, let's take that out on this one because it was, you can probably guess what I said. But well, I there was don't. one podcast that we didn't even release. We did a full podcast. I won't say who it is or what. I said it the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said it yesterday to Gaffigan. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we didn't even release it. We talked, we, we didn't, no one, one person talked shitty about another person for like a half an hour. <laughs> no, it was longer than that. It was like the entire podcast. It was the entire podcast. And then another good friend of ours called me up and said, hey man, did he talk shit about that one guy for an hour? And I said, yes. And then I said, uh, he said, hey man, can you do me a favor and not release that podcast? By the way, I did one with Allison Rosen and she, we're talking about, why you edit things out of a podcast and defending it to the audience listening. Yeah. Cause I'm sure we pulled that chunk out that I had yeah, said earlier. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't ever want to put anyone on blast, 
And so, like, and that's never my intention. My intention is never to, like, make anyone's life more difficult because of this totally, podcast. Totally, totally. Yeah, no, I've, I've talked to people about that a lot, and they don't realize it. It's like, we're not trying to just start shit. We're just we're, talking. My only goal is to make yeah. you laugh. Like, I want people to giggle totally. or go, like, that's interesting. I do not want people going, dude, fuck you two. Who do you think you are to, you know? I did a podcast with Allison Rosen. <laughs> she is right after she got fired from... Uh, Adam Carolla's podcast. Oh, I didn't know she got fired. I know she's not there anymore. Yeah, and she spent, this is when it was just me doing the podcast. She spent 45 minutes just trashing Adam. Like, Damn. And, I, and, like, and in my head, I'm like, I was thinking, like, am I going to release this? Like, because she had just been fired, so it was all fresh. And I was in my head, I was like, I, if I release this, then Adam won't like me. I'll never do his podcast. By the way, I've never done this podcast. He's never had me on his podcast. But, like, I remember thinking, I'll never do his podcast. He's going to hate me. It's going to be a war. But, and you know, when you get selfish, you're like, and you're like, it's going to be really tough on her. People are really going to come after her. I'm going to be in the middle of it, but I'll get good ratings. My numbers are increased. And then you're like, in my head, I'm like, I, I'm going like, I don't think it's worth it. And then nah. in the middle, she just goes, actually, can you not put out any of the stuff I just said? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, whole yeah. episode? Yeah. And so we didn't do, I didn't put out the episode. That's only one of two episodes I recorded and didn't put out. I think I was the other one. <laughs> no, no, no. When, when, when did we do it? On the Joker's Cruise. That's three episodes yeah. I didn't put out. That was that was a new side view I'd never seen. I kind of like how passionate you got, but it was a it was a good I idea not to put totally it out. Totally forgot about that podcast. Yeah. The the un the unreleased. You know that podcast. Yeah, has caused trickle problems for people in the past in the future or in the past. Really. Like I'll talk to you about it off air. Off air. Yeah, but that that was I remember that. I mean we were we were all a little boo you you were me, fresh off sober October. Ari. Ari and Mike Vecchione. Mike Vecchione. God damn it. I still haven't had Mike have I I haven't had Mike Vecchione on the podcast yet. Mike is one of my favorite dudes. He's a, a great, amazing comic. I remember watching him on Last Comic Standing and being like, dude, this guy legit is one of the, and by the way, we dated the same chick in I remember in, we in, talked about that yeah, on that podcast. We dated the same chick at one point. Like my high, my college sweetheart was his high school sweetheart. And I was like, what are the odds that this one woman dated two, I won't say in the world, but two of the funnier people in the country? Yeah. Like, what are the odds that she dated us? Like, but I don't think Mike was funny in, in high she school. She also dated Ant, though, the comedian. I heard that, too. <laughs> Dude, what, what's up with Ant? I don't know. I ran into him at... I never met him. I just remember that guy. Oh, I met him. He was a... He was a handful. Yeah. His name is Ant. <laughs> he was a legit handful and was like very dialed in to like, and by the way, once again, not trying to shit on anybody, but like very dialed into reality television and how that would work and celebrity. Yeah. Like, don't, but doesn't it kind of make you cringe when people are in this for fame and not to be good I, at stand up? It, it does for me. Um, it does for me only because. I think fame gets in the way of good stand-up personally. Totally, man. How, no one gets better as they get... I mean, some people do, but it's hard. To, the, if you get insanely famous, have you heard those comics where it was like, so I was at this famous person's house, and you're like, who gives a fuck? Tell a joke. Yeah. I, I, I when, when that happened, and by the way, I, I got to admit, I, when I got on Last Comic Standing 2... I didn't I, even know you were on Last Comic. I did it up until like the semifinals, and then I got booted. Cause I, I got booted because they were like, I just wouldn't... I got booted, too. Did you? I was booted. I, I shit on Keenan. Keenan who? Ivory Wayans. He was one of the judges. Wait, what did you say? He uh I had a good I had a really good set and Norm was really nice. Norm I had a joke that Norm was like, I love that joke. I said the joke was uh 
my last girlfriend was a hoarder and uh and she broke up with me which stings extra hard because you know i'm like the one thing she can get rid of and uh <laughs> and roseanne was really nice too and then keenan was like eh i liked some of your jokes i didn't like all of them and i said well i loved all the scary movie films and i got a huge laugh you know <laughs> <laughs> obviously very sarcastic and he said i only did the first two and i was like Oh, right, it was a joke. <laughs> a joke. I think you're missing the point here. <laughs> but, it was uh, a joke. <laughs> but uh, I got eliminated. But then I, I ran into Norm. I ran into Norm in like an area afterward. And he was like, I like that you burned him. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. You know Norm like that. Because Norm's like the perfect celebrity. I mean, he's a celebrity technically. But we but all respect walks- him. Everyone respects he's him. He's a purist. Dude, he's a hardcore purist. He's fucking hilarious. Dude, he's part. My, my best joke I have right now in my new hour is i hope people like it because it's definitely a little bit of a departure of my stereo i I think i think in when as you grow as a stand-up you need to evolve also you need to you can't just do the identical same thing you did last special and do a replication of that just different words i think you got to evolve one of the things i was obsessed with was that i've talked about this ad nauseum so i apologize to anyone listening i called stand-up stand-up one day and i said what are you doing and he goes He's like, I'm having a, a grapefruit and vodka, uh, watching the sunset. I'm trying to think of some goofs. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Just trying to re, rethink how to do a joke. Like, I'm writing knock-knock jokes. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, you know, I figure I'm probably as funny as the guys who wrote knock-knock jokes. Like, I could probably write a knock-knock joke. So I'm trying to rewrite, trying to re- 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 redirect knock-knock jokes and rewrite them. And I was like, oh, cool. And And it changed the way I looked at things. So I was like, one of the jokes, uh, my favorite jokes are Norm MacDonald's jokes when he goes, uh, he has a joke about um, his neighbor works at the at the university. He's a professor of logic. You ever heard that joke? No. Such a great joke. I'll tell it to you because it's such a great joke. And and I know you guys have heard this, but just if you haven't, just sit back and enjoy. It's my, one of my favorite jokes. It changed the way I looked at my hour because I went, I want a joke like that. Not, I, I, I don't want to do what he's doing. But I want to be able to do something a little more old school, but in my voice. Norm moves, Norm gets a new neighbor. So he sees a new neighbor and he says, Hey, neighbor. And the guy goes, Hey, Norm. Norm says, uh, what, do you, what do you do for a living? The guy goes, I'm a professor of logic down at the university. <laughs> By the way, Norm tells it so much better because he normanizes it. And so Norm goes, What's that? And he goes, Well, it's kind of hard for me to explain. It's easier for me to show. And Norm says, Okay. And he goes, Norm. Do you have a doghouse? Norm goes, I, I do. And he goes, well, then logically, I can assume you have a dog. And he goes, I do have a dog. And he goes, well, then logically, if you have a dog, I can assume you have, you have children. Do you have children, Norm? And he goes, I do have children. And he goes, okay. And if you have children, logically, I can assume you're married to a woman. You have a, you have a wife? He goes, I do have a wife. And he goes, well, logically, if you have a wife and a child and a dog and a doghouse, then I can logically assume you're a straight white male. Norm goes, I am. Norm, that's what I do for a living. Norm goes, wow, that's fascinating. So Norm goes down to the bus stop to catch a bus, and he sees another neighbor. He says, hey, neighbor. He goes, hey, Norm. He says, hey, Norm, you see the, you meet the new neighbor? And he goes, yeah, I did. And he goes, what's he do for a living? And Norm goes, he's a professor of logic down at the university. The guy goes, what's that? And Norm goes, well, it's kind of hard for me to explain. It's easier for me to just show you. Norm goes, do you have a doghouse? The guy goes, no. And he goes, well, you must be gay. <laughs> That's good. Dude, I, one of my favorite ones I ever heard. So much tension, Dude, too, but, in that yeah, joke. I love that. I love those jokes. I love those jokes. Like, the best one, I, not to fucking re-redo this, 
but it's been a while. That's a good joke. Have you heard the one? Gaffigan told me a joke yesterday that had me pissing myself. So you know Gaffigan's wife had uh, brain cancer, right? On the stem of her brain. And they told Gaffigan, it's not funny, but they told Gaffigan she probably would never be able to swallow again or hear out of that ear. It's connected to all the nerves. And, you know, you're going to have to get help for her for the rest of his life, of your life. And I was like, wow. He said, you know, the funniest joke I heard at that at that time when that was going on was a uh, guy goes to the guy goes to the doctor. His wife goes into a coma and and they do some surgeries. Guy shows up and the doc, doctor says, well, sir, I have good news. I have bad news. Have you heard this? No. And he goes, uh, all right, what's the bad news? He goes, the bad news is your wife's surgery didn't go as well as we planned. Uh, she's going to be a vegetable for the rest of her life. You're going to have to clean her, um, care for her, feed her pull out tubes wipe her ass you're gonna every two hours you're gonna need to massage her if you don't she'll go into epileptic spasms for the rest of her life and the guy goes wow what's the good news he goes good news is she's dead <laughs> but yeah, and i, I go but i that, love yeah. those i love those jokes yeah. i love them so much those are old school jokes where there's a big build-up you know like if you watch like, like an old buddy hackett thing on like carson he'd tell this long setup and there'd be that uh, that type of punchline and i yeah. and i love those now it's like so quick the jokes yeah, but do you ever yeah. think about writing like you could you are hands down one of the best joke writers Thanks, in the business man. you Thank could you. do you ever like because i got obsessed with like, I was like, why am I not writing guy walks into a bar joke? Like, why am I not um, writing something like that? I don't think I ever really got into those. I No, I'm usually like, because those are like jokes you need to just let your mind wander. And sometimes it's like, my ADD is so bad, it's hard for me to wander with that much focus, if that makes sense. Like, that's like a focus wander thought, you know? What, this is what I would say to you, and this is what I did, and I should do this more, but like, how great would it be to do Fallon or to do Conan or to do Kimmel or to do any of these shows and go do stand up, and then they bring you over to the couch, and they're like, "So I understand you have like a joke, joke." I feel and like you, Norm has done shit like that a bunch on Conan. Norm does it all the but time, but he just disguises it like it really happened to him. Norm is done. Norm is the best at it, and it's like. But don't you feel that like I mean you're still out all the time? Like part of the reason I don't write those jokes, I feel like I still have a lot of real things that I can make funny. So I'm no, just, but I, like I go as a writing exercise. Like I was obsessed with like that format yeah and so i was like i was trying to write one like it and then one day i had an interaction with a guy and it was funny and then the, and i was on the road i was the next day i had another interaction with the same guy and it was funny and i was like oh my god this is guy walks into a bar and i was like oh shut the fuck up and i was like okay okay i got this so then the third day i was like this is the day everything happens like yeah. it was so and it, so like but I, I think that's cool it would be cool if you're like like to be able to and you just got to see it happen in the moment and go uh, like if you perk your ears i believe this if your ears but you are, could kind of do that i mean we we're just doing it like i was in a bar the other day but if you just change it to like a third person joke yeah, yeah. you could probably do that it's it's so funny i i just i find that like like have you like just one day when you're bored and you're like stumped try to write a knock knock joke they're really fucking hard they are hard i do you ever hear gilbert godfrey's cd of dirty jokes no oh it's incredible For it's real? just all street jokes and he makes them in his voice i mean there are no, none no jokes that he wrote but he's just telling old jokes in a gilbert Gottfried way and it's fucking funny i guess theoretically like, oh here's it can i tell you one of the jokes yeah, please please so please this guy gets, dude i love all right i in high school i had a roommate come in in college i had a roommate come in and goes hey who wants to hear a good riddle and i laughed at him and he went no riddles are actually pretty fun and i went you being serious 
and he had a book of riddles and we sat and did riddles all fucking night so when people go do you want to hear a riddles joke? is I such go, a funny word though I, so keep going yeah. keep going well, okay so one of the jokes on the cd that's like just an old joke is uh there's a guy who's drunk in a bar and he's so drunk he vomits all over his own shirt and he's like fuck my wife's gonna kill me what do i do and the bartender said just put a ten dollar bill in your front pocket say that some other guy puked on you and he gave you 10 bucks for the dry cleaning he's like that's a great idea so he goes home and his wife his wife's like what the fuck is wrong with you you're covered in vomit you're drunk he goes no 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 someone else vomited on my shirt and he put a 10 dollar bill in my front pocket and she looks she goes this is a 20 dollar bill and he goes he also shit in my pants <laughs> such a perfect joke right dude dude greg giraldo had a great joke that's kind of like that he goes i was uh my wife doesn't like when I drink. You ever heard this? My wife doesn't like when I drink and yes. drive my motorcycle. I know what joke you're talking about. Yes. And he goes, but I can't help it. It's just fun. I want to, every time I drink, I want to ride my motorcycle. So one night I come home, tell me about, stop me if I start fucking it up. One night I come home and she's already in the loft. And so like, I, I shut the door quietly. I take my clothes off. I get up in bed and she looks at me. And she goes, let me guess. You were drunk driving your motorcycle. And he goes, no, why would you say that? And she goes, your helmet's still on. I love that joke. I love that joke. That was in his half hour, his first half hour, I think. Uh, such a great, I love. Geraldo's I, one of the best ever, I think. Yeah. I really think he was. I mean, I I wish we got to see more from him because I think he was on his way to being like a Louis type. I, 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 can, I honestly don't think he ever found his voice in, in his period. I think he got so close in those, when he, when he broke down, don't, don't take those away, Halston. I'm curious to see if there are any good ones. The when he got um when he got when he would lose his shit on a roast, he was so good at the roasts. Yeah. And I think that's what people think they know him as, is that. But his material, like when he would say share stuff that and I, and the reason I say I don't think he ever got to his voice, if he had shared the stories about his partying and about his lifestyle and about who he was that he hid from everybody. I bet that would have been been Richard. But I think he would. Yeah, I think he was on his way because I, I think, think he was. Too. I think. I mean, Good Day to Cross a River. That album, just the jokes on that album are fucking insane. The one about his fight with his wife that's like two minutes long, and it's just a. What's that he, one? I would butcher it, but it's just a long bit about him. He he starts it by saying like, "You think it's going to be this relatable observational joke?" He's like, "You ever have this fight with the wife?" And then it just turns into this deeply personal, fucked up story where he's like, "Why are you always on the road? You always got to get drunk on the road." Oh yeah, and, yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. "I'm in fucking Virginia. I'm going to be drunk the whole time I'm here." And it just goes deeper and deeper. And then he just pauses. He goes, "You ever have that fight?" You yeah. know. But it's like the most deeply personal. Apparently, I have a drinking problem, <laughs> and now I'm snorting coke off a switchblade in yes. a bar called Sure Shots in Dayton. <laughs> and then I've been to Sure Shots. I always Dayton. felt bad. For, I've been. I'm going to be in Dayton this fall. I've always had good times in Dayton. I'd be shocked if I sold tickets in Dayton. I bet you'll pack I'll, it. I, out, I man. can tell you if I have already. Um, I always felt bad for Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa lived a whole life helping starving children in dying villages, but she can never be declared a saint because she never actually performed a miracle. And it was towards the end, she was desperate to perform a miracle, so she would go up to starving children and go, "What's behind your ear?" It's, I guess it's, it's better if Gilbert re reads it. Yeah, it's pretty funny, though. That's it's a, a quarter. It's, Which one? What? Man goes to the doctor for a check, and the doctor exam says, and the doctor examines him and says, I've got bad news. You've got cancer and Alzheimer's. The man goes, I don't think I have. Thank God I don't have cancer. That's funny. <laughs> like, I'm not a bad reader. So <laughs> I wrote an Alzheimer's joke yesterday. Mid-roll reads. 
Mid-roll reads. What are they? These are mid-roll reads. Support for the Burkcast comes from TurboTax. Everybody has to do taxes, and yet not everybody feels comfortable doing taxes, which doesn't seem right, especially when you consider all the amazing things that these same people accomplish every day of their lives. TurboTax believes that with the right tools and encouragement, people can be good at anything, yes, even taxes. And to help people feel more comfortable with the tax process, TurboTax live, give, Shut up. Just shut up. Keep it in this read. Shut up. TurboTax Live <laughs> gives you your personal access to experienced CPAs and EAs who are there for you, even on nights and weekends. And they're happy to go through your return with you, line by line, to double check that you've done everything right so you can be sure to get your best possible refund and feel 100% confident in your taxes. TurboTax. All people are tax people. Yeah, man. Gilbert is uh he's a character. He I had him on uh Something's Burning with a Tell. Really? Oh, that's yeah. a good that's a good pairing. Yeah, it was a great pairing. It, it's uh it's so it's so crazy how different a person he is off stage as opposed to on stage. Gilbert, yeah, yeah he's, like so he's so quiet. So quiet and shy yeah. and humble, and then you're like, where's the asshole? Ah! Fuck. Yeah, you want like aristocrats Suck Gilbert at all times. But yeah, I I I I think Gilbert Godfrey, if if Norm's my favorite. Yeah. I could watch Norm forever. He's your favorite comic, period. No, it's Tell. Tell's my favorite comic. N Norm is right after him because I can watch Norm be Norm. I wish I saw Norm more. I don't see him that often. I don't he, see I don't I mean I don't I don't know where where does he go up when he's here? He had a joke on online somewhere, and he goes, "You know, they say orange is the new black. Not in my building. Kevin's the new black." <laughs> I love just silly ass jokes like Dude, that. Dude, he's just he on his his Norm Macdonald show. The one on Netflix is amazing, but the one he did online where he just have them read horrible fucking jokes. Did you ever see that? No. Dude, you got to get into a norm spiral. I'm going to get into a norm spiral. We were at the store one time. We were at the store. and Is that where he goes up when he's here? Yeah, because he's really good friends with Adam Egan. Okay. And Adam is like his, I, I don't, I want to say like they're, they're almost like related. Like it's, they're really close. So he came back right before the election. I can't tell you what he was saying because it's unfair to like share stories like that behind closed doors. All I will tell you is that. Me, Segura, Rogan, everyone was not only jaws wide open, ears wide, just like, but we were in hysterics. He's great because he never says the predictable thing, Norm. Never. He's such a contrarian, and he's also smart and funny. And I mean, I still remember the interview he did after getting fired from Weekend Update on Letterman, and it's like a 20-minute interview, yeah. and you could see how much Letterman respects him, and you're like, holy shit, this is kind of incredible. And Norm just is so fucking funny and he just talks about you know what i'm talking about we had like he's like i had a i had a half a pint i had half a uh fifth of whiskey and letterman's like what do you do the next day he's like well i remember that i still had a half a whiskey left <laughs> you know yeah. it's just like just like it should be obvious but you just you know do you think in other professions people talk the way we talk about our heroes yeah, like do I you think, think do you th I, well it depends on your job i mean you know if you work in like 
some sort of like maybe music or film maybe i don't i don't know if you, if you work in accounting i'm not like you should have seen kevin the other day but it's, at know? a certain point carmelo anthony was like no nah, i'm the best it's probably why he's not playing in the league right now but like you know like you know? who's one of the best Knicks Mello, to ever play in your opinion patrick ewing's my favorite ever do you think do you think shaquille o'neal was like man you got to give it up for patrick yeah ewing. totally you think yeah so? yeah because you know why because ewing is super underrated he always gets trash and Shaq. Um, I think Shaq is defensive of guys. Shaq's a good guy, it seems. Shaq's a, Shaq seems like he's a great guy. You know what's great about Shaq is when he had that when Yao Ming was like the new guy in the scene. Everyone's like, "Ooh, Shaq, look out! Yao is coming for you." Shaq, Shaq was just he just went in this racist interview and was like, "Tell Yao Ming Ching Chong," and you were like, "Jesus Christ!" And then Shaq finds out that Yao that Yao's hero is Shaq, and he feels terrible. <laughs> So now, if you ever hear Shaq talk about Yao Ming, Shaq finds out Yao Ming's zero. Dude, he went to China to like stay with his family, and and they were all like, "We're so happy you're staying here. You're Yao's favorite player." And Shaq was like, "Oh fuck!" So then every time you hear Shaq talk about Yao, he's like, "He's the greatest ever." And now he's like overcompensating. Yeah. The point like that's not true. Do you, you ever know? see that? Do you ever see the documentary on on uh, ESPN about the Magic about the Orlando Incredible. Magic? Incredible, dude. Penny Hardaway would have been like the best. He would have been like, I think, almost Magic Johnson level. Like his shit was insane. What happened to Penny Hardaway? Then? Injuries, man. Just so many injuries. But Dude, our, incredible player. In our fraternity, the kid, uh, one of the kids, Chris Hill was his name. His dad was the coach of the Magic. He was in our fraternity. Yeah. So we always have Magic games on because his dad was the coach. I'm telling you, man, Shaq is a, that is a different build of a human being. He is. Yeah. It's insane. I, and I, I There's find, still no one like him in the NBA. There's like, to this day. No one's ever been like him. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, and and maybe him, Will Chamberlain because he only played against like you know goofy white guys. Yeah, so it's like everyone's like, he dropped hundred points. I'm like, yeah, against like a six foot six white guy guarding <laughs> him. You know, dude. When you talk about like my favorite is Charles Barkley and Shaq together, they make me laugh so fucking hard. Josh Gondelman once said, "It's so funny to me that they have the energy together of like two friends who are like friends through the guy's bachelor party, and they have to like coexist together." <laughs> It's so true, right? It's like, yeah. fuck. I was like, well, we put in the words perfectly. It's because they really kind of like can't stand each other, but they do kind of like each other. Yeah. And 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 Barkley always kind of outwits him. And then Shaq's always like, oh, yeah, how many rings do you have? And you're like, you can't use that every time, dude. <laughs> yeah. You got to like. How about Barkley getting pulled over and telling the cop, I'm just going to get a blowjob, man. Yeah. Don't worry about it. These cops like, I don't give a fuck. We do, me and this comic Stavros Halkias, we do a basketball podcast called Pod Don't Lie, and we did an episode called The All-Time Greatest Cheaters, like Infidelity All-Stars, yeah. and Barkley starting power forward. Who else is on that top five? We put Magic at center, because he put, we, you know, because, you yeah. know, if you, if you, if you, if it takes AIDS for you to get caught cheating, you fucking, you put in work, you know? Yeah. Then we had Lamar Odom off the bench, because he, he, he cheated into a coma, you know? He, what's he doing now? I don't know, but he was. I love Lamar Odom. Uh, he was. I had an Odom jersey. I he was dude, great. I went and saw. I'd go to see Clippers games when I first moved here because those were the tickets you could get. Yeah, and you get good tickets to go see Clippers games. He was amazing. And then yeah. we had um at small forward Paul George because he fucked uh he 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 impregnated a stripper uh and he fucked his teammate's wife Roy Hibbert and that fucked up the Pacers. So he was small forward shooting guard. Who fucked LeBron's mom? Delonte West, but he wasn't cheating. He just this was about cheaters. That if we do like all time greatest fucks. Okay, what about what about uh played for the Sonics, had nine kids. Sean Kemp? Sean Kemp. All legitimate kids, so we can't count him as a cheater. I mean, oh, that's shit. why we didn't put Bark that's why we didn't put Carl Malone on the list because he fucked a 13 year old and we're like, we can't really have criminals on the list. Yeah. You know, that takes the fun out of it. But uh 
Tony Parker, point guard, fucked Rent Barry. You fucked your teammates. You fucked your teammates, girl. That makes no fucking sense to me. It's so unspurs-like. They're such a buttoned-up organization. It's such a like a that talk about like a team cancer. Yeah, you fuck someone's girl on your team, and you gotta get rid of Brent Barry because Tony Parker's Hall of Fame point guard, man. How about when Kobe called out Shaq? Oh, Kobe was the two guard. He was a starting two guard. <laughs> That's right. That's who it was. Jordan, we couldn't put Jordan there because he lost half his net worth in his divorce. So we're like, that's Did bad really? cheating. That's not good cheating. Oh, Kobe cheated. Kobe buys his wife a four million dollar wedding ring, saves all that money he would have lost in the divorce. Everyone's like, that. Why is he spending four million? Because he would have lost two hundred million in the divorce. I never thought about that. Brilliant, like, Kobe, think Mamba about, mentality. Think about athletes who got in, who got in just at the buzzer with rape. Like meaning, like now well, Kobe in was culture, alleged. Kobe was alleged. Yeah, you're right. He, I mean, look, he can still get culture, me too. He would have been you, you, and me too. There's no, there's no fucking trial. You're canceled. I mean, it's not like like Kobe. If that came out today, cancel culture. He's problem gone. is in sports. There are a lot of people who are like, he did this to me, and it turns out to be not true. Like Christoph Porzingis. This woman claims that he did that to her, but now people are like, it feels like extortion. Really? That, I don't know the whole story, but it feels like... So that's the problem with sports is a lot of people because they're well, worth know, so much money. And it's such an interesting thing. Like, do you remember, like we were talking about when you got hit in the head and your mom was like, what did you do? <laughs> do you remember Stuart Scott saying that about... Not Stuart Scott, God rest his soul. Stuart Scott was a great him, guy. Dude. I love Stuart Scott. That hurt when he died. That I did to me that too. That fucking he was, hurt. He was a great fucking guy. I had dinner with him one night. Really? Yeah. I had dinner with him when I first started doing stand-up. He came and saw me do stand up and was with a friend of ours. And he was like, uh, You done? I said, Yeah. He goes, You hungry? I was like, Yeah. He was like, Come on, I'll buy you dinner. I was like, Thank you. <laughs> That's how you hope he would talk, too. Yeah. <laughs> he sounds like a. And then in the middle of dinner, so I said, uh, I said, Was it hard for you when like, like people were shitting on you because you're like the first black guy on ESPN and that had like spoke black and they were like, Dude, they like hated you? And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you just uh, made up something no i was like oh that's how it was in my fraternity sorry i was like yeah like when you were it i was, loved him it took a while in our fraternity it took a while for everyone to because Stu sports center was about white guys going zowie oh whammo and he said boom shakalaka and he brought and he was like he brought culture into into he was the best he and was rich eisen I, I had lunch with rich eisen once and he was so cool i did rich eisen show i and love him told him a story about don mattingly hitting my buddy with a baseball whoa and, and are you a yankees fan no but i grew up in florida and mattingly that's where, and that's where spring I'm training a was fan, so mattingly was like that was like when my grandpa got me into baseball man so like so mattingly was the guy i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna do this right so don mattingly and fred mcgriff are taking batting practice Damn. at Jesuit. Me and Scott Bobeer are running what they call player appreciations, where you had to run from the home base, but we ran from the dugout because they were taking BP to every sign that was on the outfield fence. And we were in trouble, so we had to do it during school when they're taking BP. I'm running next to Scott Bobeer, Don Madeline's hitting, and just ting, I'm talking to Scott Bobeer, and he gets hit in the back with a baseball and falls to the ground. And wow. I turn around, and they're like, kind of laughing, but they're like, sorry. I go, okay. And so Bobir picks it up, throws it in, and they're like, hey, when you guys are done, we'll sign that for you. And we're like, oh, thanks. Like, fuck you. So then we keep running, and Bobir's like, you believe they were like, when you're done, we'll sign. Ting hits him again, and he what? falls down. And Fred McGriff's like, 
no fucking way. Because I told you. And so at this point, it's getting kind of cool. Yeah, though, and the so accuracy. It's, it's them, them trying to hit us now. Like going, I bet I can hit them. I bet I can go opposite field. Turns out, I tell that to to uh, Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen's like, Don Mattingly is my favorite baseball player ever. And I was like, yeah. And he's baseball. Like, and he's like, we got to check that out. I go home. It goes on, it goes on, whatchamacallit. And I get an email from one of the guys I grew up with. He goes, it wasn't Don Mattingly. It was um guy that went to Jesuit and played for the Yankees. I forget his name. He was, it wasn't Don Mattingly. It was Jesuit. I'll tell you. Jesuit high school. What position? Type in Jesuit high school. What position? Tampa uh, first baseman. Um, Tino? No, it wasn't Tino Martinez. It was um, not. It sounds like Don Mattingly. It was Magadan. Dave Magadan. I don't remember him. Dave Magadan. Type in Dave Magadan. Pull him up. Dave Magadan played for the Yankees. It was Dave Magadan. He had a fucking uh, great Mercedes. Really? He had a fucking. I, we, big, I was at a. I was at a Yankees. Dave Magadan played for the Mets. My bad. I was at a I was at a Yankees game with my friend. It was when Mike Lau played for the Yankees like early on before he had this really good career with the Red Sox. And and Mike Lau just it was like my birthday. I was with a couple friends and my mom, and uh, he just hits one back and it just bounces off the railing and hits my friend in the head. And I was like, "You ruined my fucking birthday by having to go to the hospital. Wait to leave the game." Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I got hit in the mouth on my eleventh birthday with a baseball bat and not, and lost like ultimately twenty six teeth. Oh my god! And I got in the car. My dad made me finish the fucking inning. I was catching. My dad put me in shortstop. I was like, are you? I remember being like, are you serious? I have no teeth. I'm not going to hit dad. And he was like, listen, we take you out now. We just lose the game. It's one more out. Just sit it. And they hit the ball to me at fucking shortstop. And I caught it through the guy out. Get in the car. It's my 11th birthday. I have a birthday party planned. 11th birthday. Get in the car. Look at my mom. And I'm like, I remember I just go, great birthday, huh? And my mom just started sobbing, crying. And I was like, oh, I was just saying this. Get a little pity, but. Jesus. That when I was a kid, my parents sent me to this weekend thing, like just get me out of the house, and it was like just me and like little kids playing baseball, and there'd be like adult counselors and stuff. And I remember they were all just like hard nosed counselors. So I stopped paying attention at shortstop one day, and he just looks at me, just fucking zings a baseball at me because I'm spacing yeah. out, hits me right in the nose, and I'm just <laughs> fucking like on the ground bleeding and crying. And he's like, "Next time you'll pay attention." I'm like, "This is insane, dude." The amount of the amount of leeway. Men got in the 80s and 90s with children was ridiculous. We're at USF. It's going to broken my nose. We're at USF baseball camp, and he has us all doing these things where, like, you know, when you lay on the on the on the ground and you raise your feet and raise your arms. Yeah. And I remember distinctly. He goes, "If I see any of you faggots trying to fuck the ground, I'm going to put a baseball up your asshole." And I was like, I remember being like, this is really aggressive talk. Yeah. I was always that kid, though. Like, if language got, it's crazy that I'm a, that adult now, but if language got too coarse, I'd like look at other people like, can you believe they're talking like this? <laughs> I, do, I do the same thing where I'd be like, this is, but when, you, when you're alarmed in like back then, it probably was bad. Oh, I was talking to my friend about movies, like even like we, because we used to love Revenge of the Nerds and Porky's and you rewatch those, dude, Porky's, the big scene was jamming your dick through a hole. In the women's locker room, the the end of the third, the end of the third act or second act in Revenge of the Nerds is when he rapes the girl yeah. in the bounce house. Yeah, he but rapes it, her, but he fucked her well, so it wasn't considered rape. She was yeah. like, "Wow, that was great." Yeah, uh, or, this, or the scene, the panty raid scene. They just set up cameras of women changing. And they're like, "Yeah." It's crazy when you think about our grooming as young men. Yeah, like you look at. I showed sixteen candles to my girls the other day, and I, I at the point when Jake Ryan says. To Michael Anthony Hall, hey man, she's wasted. Take her, have fun with her. 
And he goes, for real? And he's like, yeah, do whatever you want. And then gives his dad's car and the girl, and they just, and then and then Anthony Michael Hall fucks her, yeah. and they wake up the next morning, and she goes, did we? And he was like, I think we did. She's like, did I like it? And he was like, I think you did. She's like, well, I guess we're boyfriend and girlfriend now. Oh, my God. That's basically how we were, gr- I was groomed to be a man. Dude, the, uh, I remember college, you know, they were just, I got roofied, and it was meant for a girl, a guy, like, he, happened I, he to just, me too. He handed a girl drink. She said, I'm too drunk. And I didn't know that. It's like, I'll drink it. And she just gave me this angry look. I was like, why is this guy so mad at me? And then I just chugged it and woke up the next day. Like, fuck, I got, he's a predator. That guy. I, that was a thing that people, I guess, you know, not to go. You're like, don't go to that frat house. They roofie people. I, yeah, it's it. Some of the stuff I know that I know, I would never even share with anyone because it's so implicable. Like, this is exactly what I was thinking. I know a couple that were dating. They were dating. And I said, that's so great. You guys are. And then someone was like, yeah, you know, the first night they had sex, he roofied her. What? They're married now. <laughs> I was like, you can huh? like spin anything where you're just like, you're like, uh, it was, it's like, it's like if someone stalked you and they're like, it worked out. Yeah. It's so crazy. I remember hearing that. It was, it was well like, after you imagine the a guy just showed up at a strip club every day with flowers. And then one day she's like, all right and then they're like we've been together 20 years you like, know oh i guess it I, guess I, got, it I gotta pee again dude i'm sorry I well, we, we should wrap it up we okay. got i've yeah we have, I have tom Rhodes coming in um okay. i'm glad this worked out the way it did me too i'm sorry that i uh fucked up the dude day, anytime man. listen anytime you ever want to do the podcast you're out in la really please it's an open door it's an open door to all you i told this to joe this yesterday it's always an open door to any of you guys just text me and go hey man i'm in la let's podcast and i'm it's I'm being serious. Right. There's certain comics I could do it with. I can do it with every no, you're fucking so time. Fun to talk to man. It's a. Uh, it's definitely cool. Anyone that technically anyone that's been on my podcast, I would love to have back on because it, it's it for me. It's a great time to kind of just chill and talk and get like. I mean, when when are we gonna get to talk like this other than on the cruise? By the way, I'm gonna tell you about that podcast we did on the cruise that I tell unreleased. Me. I want to tell you what the trickle down effect of that was. Please do because I think you're gonna go. Holy fuck! You're right. Yeah, you, you are gonna go. Oh my god! I can't wait to hear this. Awesome, dude. Uh, well, what do you got to promote? You guys, you when guys, does this come out? Uh, I don't. I have no fucking idea. We're backlogging them for my body shot store. Okay. Because, but so maybe this month, maybe the beginning of next month. So yeah, go to samuel.com slash gigs, and you know I'm in like Toronto, Sacramento in September, I think, and then uh, October I got like Atlanta, uh, Acme, like a lot of a lot of good clubs, and uh, I got this podcast with Joe Mackey, Phil, and Liz, the seller called Keeping Joe, and then I got the the new basketball podcast called Pod Don't Lie. If you like basketball, it's with Stavros. He's like the funniest dude. That's one of the things that I wanted to t- didn't get a chance to talk. If you're to ever about, in the city, you got to be like the basketball. A legit basketball. Fan. I'm obsessed with the Knicks. It's like a toxic relationship. I could talk about it for hours, but you know. So there's that, and then I just yeah, you know, I got a couple albums and and specials on. And you got and follow him on Instagram. You put out clips. I, 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 I think clips. daily, and they're and. Literally, if you are sitting, if you're sitting on a train, if you're sitting at home getting ready to go to bed, flip through Sam's Instagram. It is thanks, man. The, you're one of the best joke writers in the game. That man. means a lot, man. That, I'm so glad we're it. friends. I'm glad we. You too, together. man. Yeah. You, you were you were nice for like. I mean, seriously, working with guys like getting open for guys like you when I was newer was like, I felt lucky because 
it, you know how it is starting out. Like it, it's yeah. a bad gig after bad gig. It, it takes a it takes a toll on your soul. These bad rooms where it's just like disrespect, disrespect. And asshole headliners or asshole features that try to blow you off stage. It fucking yeah. No, I respected you. you. I respected you, and you were also nice. So it's like that's you know you're fortunate to work with people and, and I, I didn't take that for granted you know so Dude. very well, thank cool. you now i'm gonna gossip thanks for doing the podcast <laughs> thank you this episode was brought to you by the machine